Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Stacks. As always, this is Jay. And I'm Shanna. And this week, uh, we got a triple bill of uh, just so much. Just uh, just all the craziness. All uh, movie. <laughs> uh, so much movie. Uh, a and lot of we're, movie. We're we're kicking it off with the sole directorial effort of one Dan Aykroyd, a fellow Canadian, a uh, fellow uh, mentally ill person. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's nothing but trouble. Uh, legendarily, f- legendarily bad film, uh, I, I would say, but. Uh, it certainly has many defenders, of which I think uh, I, at least one of us is going to be tonight. Uh, <laughs> I still don't know. I, I, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what I saw, because what, what I'm sitting with now is I'm thinking, like, I think my problem is I'm trying to figure out what he was trying to do. Okay, and, so and I have that's... a take on that. Uh, but let, let me hit you with my sort of overall take just okay. just to kick it off uh i i feel that this is a movie wherein dan Aykroyd, and this is the only uh only script that is solely written by dan Aykroyd. like uh, oh, every thought... other script there there's a lot of other scripts that he co-wrote this oh. is the only one he entirely wrote uh like ghostbusters he co-wrote of course i was gonna say like did he forget how things were (laughs) (laughs) so the the thing is i feel that this is a movie that he wrote for chevy chase specifically because this was written for chevy chase uh, as the main character and i i think it's sort of written specifically as this movie to entrap the usual uh, i mean you could charitably call it bugs bunny energy i know that's how <laughs> chevy chase would characterize it himself I, I was honestly thinking it's like this is this is like very weird dirty gothic looney tunes yeah it, it's it's very cartoony and that's a, a lot of that is just the chevy chase persona at the time just it, and it's sort of you know, like I say, charitably Bugs Bunny, sort of maybe less charitably uh, smug, rich white guy who can do whatever he wants. And he's sort of more that in this movie. And I also feel like the movie is sort of specially designed as a trap in which to capture that. Yeah, every, all the problems seem to be completely his fault. Except completely. like, yeah. He's goaded into one initial thing, but he could have gotten away with that part. And that part didn't really ultimately factor into anything, but we'll get to that, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's sort of my overall thing, because uh, so in I, I watched all of the special features on this. This is the new Shout Select Blue of Nothing But Trouble that we were watching, and there are interviews with Aykroyd and there's an interview with Chevy Chase and Aykroyd characterizes their relationship a little less uh, positively than Chevy Chase does. <laughs> uh, he, 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 
he like when he talks about working it was like oh working with chevy you know uh yeah well you know uh <laughs> chevy you know and he's like oh you know i love working with chevy you know he's a he's a good friend and everything but you know there there's definitely a little bit of you know that guy working with that son of a bitch uh within there and i do kind of feel like this is a movie where he's just kind of putting it to that character just to kind of get it out of his system because he is the character who's doing it <laughs> like like to get sorry to, I'm, I'm trying to understand like to get out of his system the uh the chevy chaseness just having to deal with chevy chase chevy oh. chase is reportedly a really unbearable person to deal with most of the time like he can be extremely sweet to people but he also is just like really horrible to deal with like directors have always hated dealing with him he he kind of tends to send directors careers off the rails i mean it happened to john carpenter (laughs) yeah uh, and notably, this is the only Dan Aykroyd film <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Uh, thing to consider. But like also, you know, when Chevy Chase is doing an interview and he he clearly just did it over the phone because they have no image of him speaking. And <laughs> it's it's just very rambling. He claims to not remember the movie itself in any way. But he he talks about, oh, you know, and, and you know, Danny and me were best friends. You know, always we've gone, gone back forever and we're just a you know, perfect comedic team. Just the best of buds forever. <laughs> It feels very glib and fakey, but yeah, and Aykroyd is like, hmm, well, uh, you know, Chevy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, and, you know, notably, this starts by introducing Chevy Chase and Demi Moore as basically a pair of despicable yuppies. I I kind of felt like Chevy Chase was sort of playing himself here. He... To me, I think he's basically a bootleg Steve Forbes. Uh, he gives out this financial newsletter, and he he's a big stock guy, but like he's he's more of a financial advisor type. Like he, he's financial publisher. Yeah, not a banker. Not a banker. Not or, a banker. He doesn't feel he's a banker. Uh, well, whereas he's that's a species. Yeah, he's a mm. species of banker. And and like we get this really big New York skyline opening credit sequence with Ray Charles singing notably because uh, later on there will be a very strange impersonation of him. Oh, I I must have glossed over that one. <laughs> oh, <point laughs> well, uh, well, everything there. else was happening. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a I mean, it's one moment in a very strange scene. Um. <laughs> But yeah, like you don't even know which scene you're talking about. They're all very strange. <laughs> yeah, scenes. I know. I'll, I'll I'll bring it up when we get there. Uh, but like we we see Chevy Chase coming in like from a limo, or maybe it's I, I guess he's having his BMW part. You know, th- this BMW is a really big deal in the movie. For a while. For a while. I mean, like it's it's there well, it, all the way at the end somehow. That's true. It 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 survived. And the, like this, this BMW is treated as a sex object. I I feel, 
but like we we see him get out of his car and he gives like his financial newsletter to the doorman and, <laughs> right. and then has this weird meet cute with Demi Moore in the elevator where I think she gives him a bag of poop and an espresso maker. Yeah, because she's walking her dog and dog poop. I don't know what's up with yeah. the espresso maker, but she looked at, I think, a headline that he was holding on the newspaper, took it away from her and started. I don't even know what. To... Well, like, clearly he just was immediately into getting with her. Right. Uh, and... and she wants to use him to get to Atlantic City. Right. <laughs> That's. I completely forgot about why she wants to get there or what they were trying to do in the first place. Because like, they, they never get to Atlantic City. Right. But the thing that's gross about it, in retrospect, she's talking about wanting to go get to, like, she's been dumped. We Like, we learn this much later, but we know that this is a conference hosted by this Sunz, uh, who's like a rich real estate magnate and who... I think basically is a thinly veiled Trump. Oh, okay. Uh, who will learn much later recently dumped her and she wants to go confront him in Atlantic city. And it's like, Ooh, gross. Mm, don't do that. In retrospect, it's all the grosser. Uh, and we're also introduced, like they go up to a party and we're introduced to, uh, Taylor Negron. And, uh, I can't remember the name of the actress who plays the sister, uh, the Brazilianaires, Fausto and Renata. What a <laughs> Brazilianaires, what do you think? <laughs> uh, they, um, we have to know that they're from Brazil. They're always dressed like, um, Mardi Gras. Not, yeah, Mar <laughs> you know? Mardi Gras. Like, always. They're, and they're just, they are huge characters. <laughs> yeah, but they, <laughs> they're, they're jerks. They, they, they're rich and they have diplomatic immunity and, yeah. Yep. And they, they just want to tag along for the adventure. They they want to go for a drive in the country. Yeah, but they they're not going they they're not tagging along, they're taking it over. Yeah, no, they're they're completely just hijacking the trip, absolutely. So they hit the New Jersey Turnpike. Uh and basically Fausto and Ronaldo convince them that they need to see the countryside right so they're i think just uh yes yeah, so they're gonna stop at like this random town that's completely out of the way and chevy chase doesn't want to do it but to be more figures is she convinces him well yeah and the bm he, he kind of wants to show off a feature of the bmw is that he has like the original ancient gps oh right right so he can plan a route with the GPS, although it turns out that Valkenvania isn't properly on the maps and all of the roads are completely torn up. Oh, yeah, that's that's right, because that's somebody tells him later on, like, your GPS is wrong or something. No, well, no, I'm thinking of they they go off the GPS map uh, yeah. like. Because, like, at, at this point, there there wasn't really a satellite. Th this isn't actually GPS. Uh, they ran off cartridges. Oh, so yeah. when you went off the edge of the map, it just, like, you are outside of the area of service, basically. 
And when they cross the moat into uh, Vulcanvania core, uh, they're off the map. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, not the yeah yeah that's that's what it okay. Um, I'm getting I'm getting that GPS problem mixed up with some other GPS problem in a different movie that. I mean, this GPS problems. Well, yeah, it's it's interesting how early, like GPS was a brand new, like not even a new thing. Like this didn't exist quite yet. This was just like the early mapping system. Uh, how it was already being used within a movie. I mean, obviously, uh, Ackroyd is a car guy and uh, is just into that stuff. So I guess just the technology fascinated him. Okay, that's fair. Um, yeah. I, I didn't know that they had it back then. Yeah, no, I didn't either. Uh, it, it was kind of weird. So Vulcanvania, just weird little town, what what we see of it. Um, if you can even call it a town. Well, the first thing that you see is a giant billboard um, of a car crash, lots of dead Bodies covered in white shrouds and a cop saying, holding a baby and saying they should have obeyed the law or something like that. <laughs> Vulcanvania. And yeah, it's a trap town. Like It exists only to to trap and murder people or yeah. extort them and or, process them. Or, or something? Well, no, yeah. it's, it's kind of like... See... I mean, we will ultimately learn that they have killed thousands. Yeah. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's it's very strange. And like Candy, uh, John Candy's character, I what what is his name? I think David. Uh, oh, um, as the cop. I think it's uh, David. I think it's okay. Uh, oh, it doesn't say on the back. Uh, Whatever the Dennis. 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 Uh, And he, like, he's waiting there. Like, he is waiting at the stop sign to catch someone. It's like a preordained plan. They have this stop sign that serves absolutely no purpose because there's no traffic anywhere and there's no people in this town. Yeah, so the whole reason the stop sign is there is so that people don't quite come to a complete stop and they can be arrested. Yes, uh, that's the sole existence of this. And I guess that's the other purpose of this movie is because Dan Aykroyd had a gripe about this happening to him once. <laughs> and like and and a lot of, a lot more of this than you'd think, because it, it isn't just that he went through a small town that had a really obvious speed trap like this or uh, something like he rolled through a stop and he got pulled over he got arrested and got taken to a justice of the peace at like two in the morning (laughs) this this elderly lady who was like 70 and and ran the the court quote unquote out of her kitchen or whatever and she just like sat up and talked to him all night and he just you know pretended to be uh, enjoying it so that he could just leave. <laughs> okay, I I was wondering, this had to, like, was this, because his character, which we're going to meet a little bit later, like, I had been wondering if he was supposed to be based on someone or something? I mean, 
he's as creepy and gross as he possibly can be, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he seems to be 130 or 150 years old. And he's Something like, it's just like, like stuffed that. with growth formula or not uh, youth serums. <laughs> yeah, youth serums. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, so, so he rolls through the stop sign. And, and, and John Candy turns on the sirens and starts chasing him. And the Brazilianaires are like, oh, it's just a stupid local cop. You don't have to worry about this. And they convince him to, like, try to shake the cop. Yeah, and they're like, oh, the BMW is so high performance, so you can definitely outrun him. And they're like, how fast can this thing go? And he he kind of was like, oh, you know, it can go, oh, I don't know, 120 or 150 or something. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, ooh. So he has to show off. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, it's on them to some extent. And they don't really have a right to be as uh, <laughs> pissed off at him as they are once they get arrested. But yeah, it is on him, too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but like Candy has like a switch where he puts where he closes a road closed sign. Oh, uh, yeah. Like by radio labeled, control. Labeled toggle switches is like his police car is the 60s Batmobile. Yeah, like, you know, everything in this movie is so incredibly designed. Like, you you could say over-designed, but it's maybe the best element of the movie. Just there's so much of everything all the time everywhere. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Just... Because like the the judge or the the justice of the peace or JP, I think, is how he's credited in the credits. It's obviously just a massive hoarder. Yeah, I thought like <laughs> parts of it look like they come out of like Mad Max or oh, it's so. Yeah, but like it's it's a hoarder that has been out of control for a hundred years. <laughs> yes, is actual like wild. mountains of just toasters. Just toasters. There is a line. Wow, look at all those toasters. Uh, that is a Chevy line, a classic Chevy line of the sort that he speaks in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot of this is what is happening in the movie. Look at what we are seeing. <laughs> he doesn't really have jokes. Very few of them. I, I would say he's definitely the weakest element of the movie. But, like, I don't know if it's so much his humor. Maybe he just was not given lines to perform, like, just uh, just to make it worse on him. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> soul, written, soul writer credit, uh, Dan Aykroyd, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it does seem like there's a lot of just ADR because it's just him reading signs or saying things that <laughs> exist in the movie. So I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but like, yeah. so the road barrier detours them onto an industrial truck route somehow that just like there's giant dump trucks going. Yeah, they're, they're weaving in and out. And and he, uh, John Candy activates a turbo booster thing. Yeah, and he's got like a, a big loudspeaker that he's talking to them through the whole time. And you know, they, they swerve off the road and ultimately they, they're stopped by the other cop who's got the road blocked and she has a gun. 
not not just a, it's like it's a ridiculous gun. I can't remember what. I think it's a huge pump action shotgun. Yeah, something like that. The the guns they use are ridiculous. Uh, well, ridiculous for 1991 standards. I guess they're standard issue for 2011 standards. Could be. Or yeah. 2020, whatever year this is. Right. 2021. Oh my god. 2021. <laughs> so. Uh, Candy just kind of doesn't want to stick it to them for whatever reason, even though they were real assholes. Yeah. Um, well, he, the whole movie, he seems to be t- just tired of this whole thing. He, he's tired of all the death, all the killing, <laughs> the mass murder. Well, I didn't know that's what he was tired of at this point. <laughs> no, exactly. But yeah, he's clearly just fed up with this petty bullshit. Like, you know, <laughs> in a normal scale movie, he's just like, man, this penny ante shit is so lame and I'm so sick of it. But he's like, you, we're, we're going to wave all the other stuff. We're, all, all the reckless driving and the evading capture and all of that. I'll, I'll completely forget it. It's cool. And Chevy Chase is just being such a dick to him. Yeah. He's like, okay, well, fine. Just write me up a ticket. It's like, no, I have to take you in. No, no, you don't. And ultimately, he takes him in. Of course, he ultimately takes him in. And it, I mean, to be fair, I'm sort of on Chevy's side of this where, like, you do not need to arrest someone. I mean, maybe for all of the extra shit, possibly, but for, you know, rolling through a stop sign. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like you just write me the damn ticket and I'll be on my way. Yeah, thank you, village law enforcement. I don't <laughs> know if I want to be taken to a secondary location right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, creepy. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it ultimately is terrifying. They're escorted off the GPS map over a moat by drawbridge. Uh, um, it a says, scary moat. Scary moat with like metal uh, things in it, like sculptures of uh, monsters. <laughs> really like, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> and like just big sharp metal spikes and stuff. Uh, and when it closes up, it says, enjoy your stay on the bridge. <laughs> yeah. And then now here we start seeing like the mountains of specific sorted trash. Yeah, like there's a huge pile of toasters, uh, and and we also get like all of these signs which are saying uh, that it's run by Shire Reeve Law, which is like pre Magna Carta law, as we'll learn later, and Demi Moore happens to know. Uh, and it's also where the word sheriff comes from. Like that's how old th- this concept of law is. Wow. Um, when did the Magna Carta happen? Uh, I, I want to say like 13 something. I could be <laughs> way off. I should know this because I took history, but I should too. <laughs> oh, God. I haven't thought about this in a really long time. No. Uh, but ancient, hundreds of years old. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it, it lists all of the rules. Like, you, you, you're not allowed to swear. Uh, there, there's no cussing allowed in uh, Vulcanvania. Yeah. Um, uh, what else was there? 
I, I like when they're going through the toasters and Fausto, uh, Taylor Negron, RIP, by the way, he died this year, I believe. Oh, great comedian. Uh, he says when they're going through the toaster forest, he's like, this place has a really negative energy, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> it sure lines. does. Yeah. And yeah, just the whole place is this crazy junkyard maze, and there's just layers and stratum of hoarded garbage, like the the same stuff, but just like the oldest at the bottom and the newest at the top, and like it's just being piled up and hoarded, like a dragon, you know, similar to our people under the stairs discussion. Oh yeah, I I definitely had a got a people under the stairs vibe from this movie too. Yeah, I think um, they're just, both 91, and they have a similar kind of zany energy. Yeah, yeah, they are both feature that kind of house. And yeah, it's a trick house, and <laughs> that was one of the original names of this movie, Trick House. Yeah, yeah, it's not like, uh, at first I wanted to compare it to a haunted house, but it's it's not haunted. Um, yeah, a, a trick house, that's that's what you'd call it, or, a, or like a fun house, maybe. Yeah. Uh, it has a ball pit. <laughs> well, yeah, a, a, a ball pit, well, like a squeaky toy pit. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> Which right. Which is also Which the is... holding cell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, just, the, the people making this movie had so much fun designing it, clearly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, like, I, I want to say that this was, this feels inspired by Tim Burton, but might be too old to be inspired by Tim Burton. Uh, it's it's a little bit after the the first few Tim Burton movies. It, it's definitely post Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Mm, uh, I think it's the same year as Edward Scissorhands, or maybe Edward Scissorhands was the year before. Uh, I don't recall. It's, it's it's around that time, yeah. So yeah, very close in time. Yeah. So, but yeah, Nightmare I could Before Christmas hadn't come out yet. No, I think that's. A couple years later, I think that's yeah. '93. Yeah, uh, stuff the top of my head, I don't know for sure. Uh, no, but yeah, it, it all, all around that period. But yeah, th- this does have that sort of just like really heavily set design because he basically just gave the set designers total free reign. Uh, and this movie had a huge budget. It, it was the second highest budget picture at Paramount that year, I think. <laughs> Cause I, I don't know what it is. They they just like, you know, I'm I'm Dan Aykroyd. I, I wrote Ghostbusters. I just, you know, I'm going to make this movie. And I got Chevy Chase. I got Demi Moore. Like he he had all of these people and they're like, all right. I mean, I, you're I the genius. They, never, <laughs> they, they must not have read the thing. Well, the thing is, they were totally embroiled in a different much bigger budget fiasco in new york at the time because this was the year they were making bonfire of the vanities which is like one of the most famous disastrous flops of all time oh really okay i i don't think i've heard of that one it's there's a reason you haven't heard of it (laughs) it's it's mostly only talked about for what a disaster it was (laughs) okay but yeah, that was happening. So they were completely busy dealing with that. And this was relatively a much smaller budget. And they were just like, I mean, you just, you know, you're the genius. You you know what you're doing. You got all of these talented people. <laughs> you did Blues Brothers. 
Yeah, I mean, comedy legend. He's been doing this for a solid 15 years by now. (laughs) This is what he came up with. (laughs) He was having all the fun and everybody was having all the fun. (laughs) Except maybe Chevy. I don't know about him. I don't know. Like at times seems like maybe. maybe. Yeah. He does seem to have vaguely fond memories of having made it uh, with <laughs> hanging with some of these people. So we, we get to the Vulcanvania courts and school, uh, which it says established 1898. <laughs> and they're it, it, please go ahead. It's so it looks like it'll fall apart if a stiff breeze happens. It looks like it should be condemned. It looks like it's a burnt-out husk from the outside. Yeah. Um, so the inside looks comparatively nice. It looks safe, it, but it's so busy. So much stuff. Because, again, it's it's this dragon piles thing where, like, just any place that they have a thing, they don't just have one, they have, like, 150 of them in a pile so like there's a clocks hallway Ugh, next to oh the God. um <laughs> a, a sheriff badge trophy case that's creepy right yeah <laughs> that spins yeah that i it, that's something i i in in light of a, a very late period twist there there's a, a that's sinister as hell to me <laughs> yeah because you know not only just uh, the the killing but uh in specific of who his network is but and we'll we'll get to that at the end of course but we get him coming into the 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 courthouse where the judge rises out of the floor in his chair he can't see his face at first because he's obscured by books while he starts talking to them. Yeah, so we don't immediately see that the nose is a penis, but we see it pretty soon. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought, like, when you told me that, I thought you were joking. And then I saw the picture <laughs> and it's like, okay, so his nose looks like a penis as a visual gag. And... You know what? Now I potential think it might actually things. be. It could potentially authentically just be a penis that he wears on his face. <laughs> and at one key moment that he potentially switches out for more hilarious penis impact just to spook Chevy. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't, like, sometimes it's really obvious, but sometimes it doesn't quite look the same yeah sometimes it's really a penis like there is one key shot where it has testicles like it is a penis on his face at the dinner table later (laughs) oh my god and and nobody says anything about it ever it's never mentioned or talked about no we only Um, just get that one double take by chevy at the dinner table and then and then you just see it, and it's you just you can't unsee it. Yeah, and it it's varying degrees of penisiness <laughs> in whatever scene. Like he seems to have different ones that he wears for different occasions. 
Dan Aykroyd thought of this and wrote it down somewhere. It's incredible. <laughs> and, uh, like makeup people made this. Made a bunch of people, them. Yeah. People were like, people did this. It's it's incredible. So like they're 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 protesting uh, Fausto and Ronaldo. This is where they say that they have diplomatic immunity. And Chevy just keeps making jokes while Demi Moore is trying to kind of smooth it over and just get them out of there. <laughs> but like kind of like a little bit condescendingly, like just just let him do his little thing. Yes. Uh, and then he he gets pissed off enough at Chevy's jokes that he like jumps up and does this hula hula bula bula <laughs> and like dance and like what 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 <laughs> it's because like we we get the slow entry we hear the voice for a while we don't see the face and instead of just like him revealing the face suddenly he explodes upwards he starts dancing he starts shouting like that's the way this movie does things. It just uh, keeps happening. We haven't even started with things happening. And this isn't like the plot yet. This is still set up. <laughs> <laughs> nothing technically, nothing's really happened yet. This is just, yeah, this is just we're just learning what's up. <laughs> and like he has all of these sayings that. I think are just like random made up Dan Aykroydisms, but they could be old timey or they could be disgusting. Like I, he calls Chevy Chase's cigar a dog rocket. <laughs> what does that mean? That's so horrible. Just thinking, I don't know what it means, but it sounds so. It sounds so dirty. It sounds, it sounds so wrong. It sounds awful, and it's. So, like, no cussing is allowed in Vulcanvania. And and that's the sort of thing, like, it, it, anytime you see anti-swearing advocates, like people who are, like, super anti-swearing, uh, will often have all these really euphemistic words that they use instead, and they're much more disgusting. It's like, just oh, don't yeah. say that. Ew, what are you uh. doing? Oh, you're making my skin crawl. That's That's something that this movie does very well, like... I, I, uh, there are parts this, that make your skin crawl in this movie. Like, oh man, ooh! Is he trying to make a horror? Because there's is. parts where really. Yeah, this is like this is distinctly a horror comedy. Like he wanted to do a horror comedy, and I feel like he has a very strange blend of the two that no one else has ever really hit upon that the comedy is horrific as well as the horror. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Cause like the, just, you get body comedy horror. Like, I don't even know what to make of some of it. Like, Oh my God. We'll I just, well, both, you know, JP himself and the other Ackroyd character that we'll get to later. <laughs> huh. Oh, yeah. I I forgot about them for a second. <laughs> oh, my God. We have to talk about that. We will have to talk about that. <laughs> so JP sort of likes Demi Moore at first because, you know, she knows what he's talking about with Shire Law and all of that, like. You know, she's she's studied up on all of this stuff. I don't really get I, it, maybe she was paralegal or something. 
I don't understand what her character's supposed to be. I have no idea. She's kind of just there to set the plot in motion and be the girl. Uh, and, like, yeah. she's very good. Demi Moore is giving so much more than you think she would have to in this movie. Like, she has a big emotional breakdown near the end that's pretty strong, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. She's giving a lot. Yeah, you would... You'd. I, I was expecting that she'd be... She'd be the Isabella Rossellini to... Uh, to the yeah, tough to guys. the tough guys. Yeah, for sure. Which is, uh, but that's not no, that's not what happened here. And this movie, I, as I said when I was watching it, uh, when I like was first watching it last week, that it, this movie does have a lot of tough guys don't dance energy. It does. That same sort of crazy personal project that is is just so within one person's viewpoint. And, you know, it's this one's Aykroyd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So ultimately, JP, because he's kind of charmed by Demi Moore, he's like, okay, I'll delay your sentence and you can come to dinner and hang out with me. (laughs) He he drops them with a trapdoor into the squeaky toy (laughs) holding cell. That looks like a. It looks like a ball pit, but yeah, that's it's squeaky toys, which is worse somehow. So many of them somehow. I like where are they all coming from? I don't know. And the 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 Brazilianers fire him as their financial advisor <laughs> on the spot. Oh yeah. Like, at this point, he has gotten them in more trouble. Very clearly, like he ruined this uh, initial discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this this is it turns out they're the jail. This ball squeaky toy pit. <laughs> um and is it here where the other people get arrested? It's it's just after this, because first okay. we get John Candy specifically going to uh the Justice of the Peace and he's like I'm kinda getting uncomfortable with this. We should let these people go. And I wonder why specifically these people, because they are kind of despicable yuppies. Well, maybe not. Hmm. I think maybe he has more sympathy for Fausto and Ronaldo, maybe ultimately. (laughs) Well, actually, you know what? There's basis for that. Yeah. There's a strong basis for that. Ultimately. Uh, Yeah. yeah, So he's uncomfortable with this right now and he's like i don't know about this i'm getting kind of sick of this shit uh but jp won't hear it he's like oh get ready for dinner i'm dan Aykroyd, being absolutely all the things (laughs) (laughs) but yes this is then when daniel baldwin leading some mafia goons uh you know, uh, the Jewish yeah. mob, I guess, uh, <laughs> head through town. Yeah, they get arrested by the the other, the lady cop. The lady cop, uh, whose name I cannot recall. I don't know if I ever caught it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, um, but led she's by just Daniel there to Baldwin. be the cop when, De- when John Candy can't be the cop. Yeah, and just sort of to be the worst cop. Uh, the the one that you can't expect any kind of humanity from. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, 
it's it's a well we we see them kind of contrasted right after this because they pull them over and you know they're assholes to him uh and they also have they're they're full up on drugs they're driving drunk they have a bunch of guns yep um (laughs) and of course when they bring them into the court they just roast the shit out of jp (laughs) oh yeah they're just laughing at everything he does and just they do call out the nose it's like is that nose for real or is it made of plastic oh (laughs) Uh, my favorite line in here is definitely, oh, I played the fifth dimension. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I don't understand that line, but it works anyway. Yeah, it doesn't make it doesn't sense, mean but I anything. love it. It's, it's just like a really good, like, these are guidos. The, the, these are like fake mob guys and just... That's a perfect line for one of them to have in this situation. It's so good. Uh, and of course, JP immediately finds them guilty and sentences sentences them to death by Mr. Bone Stripper, <laughs> which is a roller coaster that has it's that takes you into a ridiculous like um like it's like a, a car wash of doom. Yeah, and it has its own metal theme song. Yeah, it's it's got like a whole metal theme song that plays when they go through. I think it's a song by Damn Yankees. Yeah, it's it's nuts. So like they're dropped through there or uh there there's a conveyor belt uh function on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that just sends them flying like it's too fast they can't get off of it and, and it's it thrown them... sideways out of the house <laughs> <laughs> yep into this um yeah roller it's roller sort of a coaster. netted roller coaster like it's it's got big cages on the side so they can't jump out and can't like fall out uh yeah. and yeah it, it like drops them onto another conveyor belt and they go through we just see a whole bunch of pistons grind people. And, and then it like spits them out of a, spits the bones out of a cannon onto a target board. And they fall onto a gigantic pile of bones. There's so many bones. Like, you can't, what is this movie? There's so many bones. They've killed so many people because this is, you know, all the bones. The bones fill the walls of the house, as we will later see. But it's like a fucking dunk tank target. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's so, so much. It's it's so wild. But yeah, th- this is just before that, before they're sentenced to Mr. Bone Stripper. Uh, is when we get the contrast between the lady cop and John Candy, where he's like, I'm going to get out of here. I'm sick of this. And she's like, oh, don't you want to watch? I think this is going to be funny. Right, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then all that happens. And, oh, my God. And what? then it's time for supper. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the, 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 the dinner scene now. The dinner scene next. Okay. Uh, so this one, JP lowers into the room from the above floor. Uh, I guess the courtroom is on the third floor. Oh, 
I don't. Because he raises into the courtroom. (laughs) I think he just has a network of lift platforms, probably, that he can just enter dramatically from wherever he happens to be. He he is like 150 years old. He seems like maybe stairs are just not an option anymore. But he can still kick Chevy Chase's ass. Oh, yeah. I mean, that <laughs> white bread motherfucker. Well, <laughs> he fought in World War One. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he left his leg in France. That's right. Yeah, because as when he disassembles later, we learn that there's not a whole lot of him that ex- still exists. Uh, <laughs> but like, he's so like he, Mr. Burns taken to the extreme. He's like Mr. Burns, but like he's also fallen apart a bunch. Like all of the damage that has occurred to Mr. Burns throughout all of the seasons of The Simpsons is like tallied up. <laughs> And also, like, he's got a penis for a nose now, and just things have gotten really weird in Springfield. Uh, But, like, he lowers into the room from the above floor, and he's got a can of warm Hawaiian punch that he just jams a spout into and starts passing around. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about dinner. (laughs) Yeah, we gotta talk about this dinner. Uh, We got... Hawaiian punch. Ants on a log. Ants on a log. <laughs> Demi um, Ward it, does not seem to know how to touch ants on a log. <laughs> so, so I, I don't know. This might be a cultural thing. If you're not familiar, it's um, celery and like either cheese or peanut butter, depending. And yeah, like a cheese raisins. whiz or a peanut butter. Yeah, yeah. Not like this not, like a not peanut real butter. cheese. Yeah. Uh, this looks like a peanut butter one, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and raisins and yeah like it's handed to Demi Moore and like she the the way she handles it is like she's never seen celery or any of these items before like like she's handling Maybe she think she's worried they might really be ants Maybe maybe that's the what joke. else that could actually be the joke Or like are we sure those are raisins I mean, I'm what not sure that, that they have raisins in this household. Although yeah. they seem to take their food very seriously. What I'm more concerned about is what the source of the Polish dogs they they have uh, that they're serving up as the main course. Because well, I didn't even think about that. Because of Mr. Bone Stripper. We know where the skeletons are going. Oh, it just gets worse. And yeah, I, and I, like I don't know if that's a thing because it's never referenced. Nothing is ever directly suggesting it. But those Polish sausages somehow, like I like a good sausage, but these look so disgusting. They look so revolting. And seeing Dan Aykroyd in the JP makeup with that penis nose, eating just the the sauciest slathered dog in, like he's got tons of ketchup and mustard and mayo. Oh. Oh, the the ketchup the condiment delivery system is a model train or the car. You have to you have to get your condiments as it's going around the table because it doesn't stop for you. Amazingly, like halfway through, like we we have a whole half of the scene where we we get a whole bunch of backstory and then just suddenly there's a noise and th- someone pulls a lever and the the table opens up and a train comes out of it 
Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not just that the bottle train was always there. It's a mechanism. Like a, it's hidden. Um, a, it's a hidden a, condiment it, train. <laughs> like it's got catapults. Is that, is, oh my god, it has catapults. I forgot it catapults like a bean or a pickle an, or I think it's an olive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, these dogs look so undercooked. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I I think they're steamed. I I think that's the way they've done it. They're they're steamed ones rather than fried, so they look extra kind of floppy and nasty. Uh, and just dogs is that an Albany expression? <laughs> <laughs> but like, just specifically seeing JP with that penisy nose and just like him really housing like one of those like. Like, Ackroyd really goes for it in that one shot where he's, like, stuffing it in his mouth. Oh, my God. Speaking of the Simpsons, it reminds me of that stock photo that they would, like, show of Homer sometimes where his eyes are <laughs> have, like, red and he's, like, just going to town on an entire cake. <laughs> it's, it's like that. It's like that. <laughs> but real-ish. <laughs> <laughs> and it's here where Chevy Chase like just stares at his nose and here's where you really see it and it's just like it's just there it's it's there nobody says it nobody even points at it you're just looking and but it's there well, there's like, no this is one where it's it changes it changes into a more penisy one this is where it actually has testicles under it and yeah. like Chevy Chase does a double take and like Ackroyd gives like a take to him. Like, uh, you saw my penis nose. <laughs> I cannot believe it. It's... <laughs> and we, we've also kind of overlooked. This is the introduction of John Candy's second character, Eldona. Oh. So Eldona, uh, John Candy's sister, also played by John Candy. Who um, is a mute, uh-huh. and she's JP's granddaughter, and she is in love with Chevy Chase. I uh, like, like love at first sight. Yeah, he sort of fake flirts with her in like his very glib Chevy Chase sort of way, and she's into it. Just she's so into it right away. Uh, yeah, this this side arc is side story side um thing is definitely going to be handled with taste (laughs) there is one thing that is just awful that we'll get to about it that's like my least favorite thing about it but i think she's my favorite character nevertheless (laughs) just Uh, such a performance john candy is like he took this performance with the utmost seriousness and sincerity oh yeah yeah um it's kind of funny because He's, he actually spends more time as this character than the cop. He does, yeah. The cop's going to just disappear from the movie pretty soon. More or less. And, like, the two of them, I feel like both of them ultimately are the big winners in this movie and get what they want more than anyone else, interestingly. The two John yeah. Cats. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, um, so this is also where we get the background on JP and about why he hates bankers so much. Oh, um, oh God, what was it? It was something. 
So it's it's sort of a combination of things. He was tricked into buying bad stocks, I believe, uh, as well as the area that he like the Vulcanvania itself was just mined into total instability for coal. Oh, yeah, there's just a, a coal fire burning underground since 1920 something. 1926. And it's basically based on Centralia, which is also Silent Hill. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. I was trying to think of there was a town that was like that. I couldn't remember. But that town got evacuated, didn't it? And like uh, nobody lives there. Not anymore, but there were still people like I think there's still a handful of people living there. It, it took a very long time to evacuate, uh, like not as long as 1926. I think the fires started there in the 60s. Okay. Uh, but people only like it, it's it's pretty much totally empty now. But like there there were people living there for a good like 20 to 30 years after. Oh, boy. But, you know, sinkhole or, you know, a, a big hole might open up and swallow your home, uh, which did make it a little less desirable, ultimately. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which which is why Silent Hill is based on this, too, uh, which is kind of crazy that this movie and Silent Hill share the same inspiration point <laughs> in some senses. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, JP fires an olive from a catapult on the train and hits Fausto, and he's just done with it. They're, they're so done with it. <laughs> right. Um, this is where they make their big break for it. Yeah, they they make a run for it, and they're they're pretty successful. Like they they get they get out. They swim the moat, and uh, they, they get chased by the hounds that have been released. Yep, the the hounds are released. And but ultimately they they swim the scary moat and there's a line that comes up a couple times they say it smells like Sao Paulo I don't know I'm not sure I get the joke there um it's probably offensive it's probably offensive I I don't know maybe uh, Sao Paulo was not uh doing really great in the 80s it, it might be just like an antiquated joke I don't Could know. Be. Or it might just be a random thing that has, that's not based on anything. It, it could be just complete insanity. I don't know. Uh, I, I like that Eldona catches Chevy Chase and Demi Moore both just like, just grabs both of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And so like Candy's waiting on the other side for Fausto and Ronaldo. Uh, and he has a gun and he's going to take them back, but they're like, you look like you need a vacation. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, you're he's right, like, huh. I do. Yeah, I, I got to admit it. You're, you are right there. Uh, and he, he does express that he kind of hates the other cop. He's like, well, that other sea hag is coming, so we better get going. <laughs> and that's, and that's it. They're they're done being in the movie until the end. <laughs> yeah, and, until we catch up with like, what happened to those guys? They just drove out of the movie because they were sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this movie, I'm going. <laughs> uh, but instead, uh, Chevy Chase and Demi Moore are locked up in uh, some upstairs room and this is where they have their romance scene quote unquote oh yeah where they're like talking about why she has to get to atlantic city like 
because she's got to go tell them. Why are you worrying about this? Yeah, right like, now. Who cares? This is nobody. This is whatever. You should just. Suns is living rent free in her head right now. <laughs> uh, she yeah, she wants so... to go confront this guy, uh, but then like they start making out, but they have no chemistry. There is yeah, no chemistry. No, she she's like she's like not getting seduced by him, but she's seducing herself at him. Yeah, it's um, it's weird. It it just it's doesn't weird. This one isn't Chevy's fault, but she says that he's nothing but trouble. Oh, she says the title. Woo! She said the title of the movie. Of Ooh. course, somebody was gonna. Yeah. Oh, you're nothing but trouble, and she like faints, which I don't buy it. It's a very weird moment. The whole thing, yeah, their romance is garbage. It's pretty bad. <laughs> it does not work. And there, there's like another moment a little bit later where like the two of them are smoking cigars together, and it's supposed to be kind of sexy and very like early '90s, late '80s yuppie romance. I was like, ew, ew, movie, please. I think the only reason their romance does work for me is because she's acting so batshit in this scene that it's like, okay, this is, she's, she's just shit at romance. <laughs> she's, and she, he is just brought shit. so much energy to this role that I kind of just buy whatever she's doing because it's just like, oh, yeah. what, what, what? Okay, fine. I don't know what you're doing. You're crazy all the time. Well, like the whole thing happened because she decided that this random guy had to take her to Atlantic City. Yeah. And she has this naturally escalating level of panic through the entire movie where her character kind of grows more and more uh, horrified by everything that's mounting around her, which which is the only reasonable response that anyone, any character has in this movie, other than the ones who just left the movie because they had had enough. We're getting off the ride. <laughs> she can't get off the ride and it is driving her up the wall. <laughs> yeah. She makes um, out with Chevy Chase. What is going on with this lady? She makes out with Chevy Chase. <laughs> Um, uh, and so, like, they cuddle in bed, which is also weird, and they're spied this on is by the painting to be their eyes. jail. This is a painting. <laughs> the eye, eye holes cut out of the painting. <laughs> and it's not clear who is watching them. I think it's Eldona. Because it's, it's a painting of John Candy, so I assumed it was... It was yeah. her. Right. And and but also I think JP has the switch where he like rotates the bed. Oh, yeah. Right, cuz he he rotates he makes the bed spin around like a freaking <laughs> Don't even the bed know spins. How to describe it. It's, <laughs> but it's like a Looney Tune spin. I just yeah, I don't like remember they don't if it's all they they just it just spins somehow and they are held in space held in place by the centrifugal force of how fast it's spinning. Like I don't know if this actually happened or if I imagined it, but if it didn't happen, everyone imagined it. It's gonna because when it spins, you just imagine that that whistling sound. Yeah, 
it's like what 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 <laughs> like why is this what is this and like it's it's just moving them to another room in the trap house it's like okay let's let's play with them let's see where they run to next <laughs> uh, yeah so is this where they fall down the slide or is uh, that later first they're opening a bunch of different rooms and trying to find i don't know a way out and they just find all of these rooms like one of the rooms is a room full of bats and guano oh yeah bat room yeah it's the bat that's, room that's his joke yeah that's uh yeah it's, that's a joke <laughs> that's the bat room uh good identifying uh and <laughs> 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 and then the the end of the hallway just starts closing in towards them. Oh yeah, the the, the crushing wall trap, and then it's the slide. I think. No, uh, no. I first don't know. they go up to the attic. So like they escape into the last room just at the last moment, and they're up in the attic room. Like a, a safe comes and closes them into the attic, and it's where oh, all the yeah. IDs and news clippings are. Right, right. So so um. This is what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. This is what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. Also, they've murdered entire busloads of Hare Krishnas. Oh, yeah. Did you notice that? That's so horrifying. Busloads is the word in the news article. (laughs) Wow. Like, (sighs) industrial scale mass murder. This is why they have Mr. Bone Stripper. (laughs) <laughs> and like they've got news clippings going back a hundred years and you know some of them you know a lot of them seem to be you know uh, missing murderers and killers like you know th- there is some justice being done but you know a lot of these are just you know bankers you know there's some justice being done there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh and and also there's just like a couple random skeletons uh, in there. Oh yeah, yeah, the skeletons. And and they they scream and they it's like oh oh oh, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um. So for me, I would say that the attic room thing with just there's so many IDs. Like the walls are completely covered in them everywhere. There's yeah. They're going back a hundred years. They've killed so many people. Yep. That's yep. terrifying. <laughs> like that's chilling. Like yeah. if, if this were not a comedy movie, this could be an incredibly chilling, terrifying movie. <laughs> There's very little that needs to change for it to not be comedy because it's almost anti-comedy to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> This movie broke my brain, and now talking <laughs> about it is breaking my brain again. Uh, but this this is when they go down the slide. Ah, uh, the super fun happy slide. <laughs> um, that branches in two directions to separate them. Yeah, of course. <sighs> uh, and and Chevy Chase's slide just goes into a wall. He gets stuck into a wall that's filled <laughs> up with bones. So like he's, he's in a crawl yeah. Where he can like just like look through eye holes. Um she gets dumped into She gets out of outside. the house. She gets dumped out into the graveyard. Where there's Or junkyard, sorry, not graveyard. Okay. Um all right. Sort of. here. Junkyard and graveyard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so here's where she meets 
what are their names? Uh, Bobo and Lil Double. Oh my god, okay, so these guys. They run this the fucking guy. This fucking This. Okay, so they run a forge. I don't, I'm not even going to touch that. I, I don't have it. Because I, I never even got to the, to figure, to, to processing the forge. Because what they are. <laughs> They are also grandchildren of Ackroyd's character, um, and they're the. the just, <laughs> how do okay? I'm gonna I'm try. How do I describe it? Like okay, we we hear them first. It's like you didn't finish high school because you got too fat for high school. Duh, no way. Like like they, they talk like that. Yeah. And they are They're like giant baby men. Yeah. With but like mutant, gross, like elongated heads. Yeah. Um but they're just like really terrible, like obviously terrible fat suits. But like I, I wouldn't say they're, they're terrible. Like, they're extremely good. They're they're like kind of terrifyingly well put together and like well made to the point that they they look incredibly gross. They're so gross. Like it doesn't it does yeah. I, I when I say like, terrible, I mean they don't look real. They just look wrong. They look like if there were a an a super overweight earthworm gym in real life. They're like these horrible baby worm men. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're they're so disgusting. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um and they're wearing diapers. Yeah, and and nothing else. Nothing else. They're they're just all and they're like dirty. They're they're so grubby cuz they just work out in the junkyard in the fire all the time. Okay, I guess now okay, now that I've done that. What's this forge? I never really I never got around to trying to figure out what that was. What are they forging? Uh, well, like they—they they seem to just do a lot of metal work around here. Like I—I I presume maybe they built the monster in the moat and the, like all the spikes. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. They—they might have they built the. Yeah, and like probably coaster. helped to fabricate parts for Mister Bone Stripper, or or later. Ms. Greater Teen. Oh yeah, I forgot all about <laughs> that one too. Oh Which we'll get God. to. That's oh, that's a special invention as well. Sky is the limit on this movie. So uh, presumably they must be the ones who stripped down the car. Yeah, uh, and and she finds that before she finds them. It's just the chassis of the BMW with the the dash and motor still there. And like yeah. the seats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and um, she tries to call 911 with the car phone, but of course there's no service in this area. Right. right. Um, <laughs> something like they, they weren't subscribed to the service. I think that's what it said. Yeah. They don't subscribe or this area does not subscribe to uh, your service or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, meanwhile, inside, 
Chevy Chase is watching JP oh, disassemble no. slash undress. <laughs> we gotta so, talk about it. <laughs> I know. I mean, we, we dressed so a little bit. So he takes off his. He takes off his nose. And and, and you see open. underneath Ugh. just like just flesh. Like he doesn't have an actual nose. He's just got like holes. Yeah, and I you can see if, like the top of his. I wonder if he teeth. lost it. I, if, if he lost it in the war too. Maybe because that was a thing that did happen. Yeah. Oh yeah. There, there's a character like that in Boardwalk Empire. I, I wonder if it's that same thing, except you know he's had it for eighty years now. So this is why I think that he probably did just take a penis and grafted some other skin onto it and wears that on his face. Yeah, I think he has a collection of different penises that he wears as noses. So I thought it was a visual gag, but it's part of this guy's <laughs> character. It's explained in the movie. <laughs> There's a canon reason why his nose looks like a penis. And like he 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 also has a, a wig. He also has so a his wig. Hair is a toupee. If you're gonna get a toupee, okay, yeah, he has a fake leg. Um, and his head is just really weirdly shaped. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, they, they've made it all bizarre as well, I guess, to make him kind of a bit more like uh, Grandson's Bobo and Little Devil. Uh, question, who's the mom? Oh, my God. <laughs> and how old are they? How, are, are, how, I don't know. It's troubling. It's very troubling. That's that's a question that they thankfully never touch upon in the movie, honestly. I'm going to cry. <laughs> I mean, we, we can assume that the painting that um, uh, mm. that they're being watched through is a painting of the mother of uh, Eldona and Dennis. I don't know if it would be the same as the mother for Bobo and Little Devil, because it seems Bobo like something. Double... They're not allowed in the house. They're not allowed in the house. I think maybe they came from hell because it feels like this is situated over the mouth of hell. Yeah, it does, when, it? Actually, before, like, we, we see Bobo and the Little Devil, but before Demi is uh, given to them. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> oh. uh, first, Aldona catches her, and, like, she's got her just up holding her like a bundle like nothing just in incredible core strength and she's got her over a pit into hell that she's gonna just slam dunk her into <laughs> I, I think it's just the coal fire yeah absolutely but, it's just but no, it, it looks like hell like hell <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they they're like oh but we want her please oh, we want yeah. someone to play with uh. right right they have like because they, they have a crush on her. Yeah, well, she's Demi Moore in 1991. Yeah. Gorgeous. I wasn't into her fashion. Like, when she, just, Not later on, fashion. when she dresses down into, and is just wearing a freaking jacket and a cap, and I'm like, oh, this is why people like Demi Moore. That's way better. But Much when she's better. wearing this 80s yuppie wear. Yuppie, oh, yeah. Yeah. Not, it's no. Uh, not great fashion. But yeah, so she's given to Bobo and Little Devil, 
And uh, meanwhile, the lady cop has arrested Digital Underground. So um, this is Tupac Shakur, a very young Tupac Shakur. Um, is one of the a, a very young Tupac Shakur is the only Tupac Shakur that ever got to exist. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he he was just a backup dancer, basically, at this point in time. So he doesn't even have a verse in the movie, although he does in the music video, which uses a lot a lot of stuff from the movie. Mm. I, th- I thought he did. In the he movie. just he just has a bit of the chorus. Oh, uh, OK, OK. Uh, but like he really stands out. Uh, but obviously uh, we're led by Humpty Hump. Uh, you know, so, the, famous, the Humpty. Oh, Dance. famously, the the Humpty. Yep, that's the only song I know. It's definitely their biggest one, uh, and I, I we so Humpty Tomp is also a character uh, played by. Um, oh God, I, I should know this. I can't. Oh, Shock G. So what's what's really cool is because they have all these people doing double characters and they were using a lot of that technology. They have him both as Humpty Hump and as Shock G in the scene. Oh, right, right. Okay. Which is fun. The, oh, yeah, we I, I guess we must have missed it because he's not in the movie anymore. We We did get a scene of the two John Candies together as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. At the dinner table. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the effects are very good in this movie. Like every the craftsmanship is par excellence all the time, except, you know, oh, potentially yeah. the editing, which I, I I don't know. They they had to salvage it, I guess. They they didn't know what to do with it. Well, didn't you say the original draft was like th- twice as long as this? I've heard that they, it was a much longer original cut that like they, they just never really knew how to handle this. They couldn't figure out how to market it. It, it just... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I like, I'd be very interested to see an extended cut of this just to see more of the world. Cause it's so fascinating to look at all of this crazy nonsense. I feel like if I watched it, my brain would melt. Yeah. I mean, I like out of my ears. I, I, I live for the kind of brain melting, uh, movie experience. I thought I did too. (laughs) (laughs) But Dan Aykroyd's the one who finally defeated me for, like, <laughs> weird shit I can't handle. Um, well, I, well let's, let's, let's try to handle it some more, shall we? I really like Humpty Hump's description of the lady cop as, and oh. that's one ugly, cross-burning, redneck, peck-of-wood police bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to remember who had the wonderful descriptive phrase and what it was for her because i didn't write it down yeah so i'm glad you did oh i i had to have the whole line it was so perfect and i love that he also notably has a fake nose that he would like be part of his act so i thought that was kind of fun (laughs) i saw that too i was like all right all right because that even comes up in the song the humpty dance so it's like totally canon like oh yeah cool right the nose thing like they can totally see eye to eye and they do (laughs) oh yeah so he gets he gets them to bring in their instruments and they 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 put on a dance part oh no not yet because chevy chase has to see the dance party Um, they, they have a fight first yeah, they have a fight. So he falls through the 
wall uh, with a pile of bones that were also in the wall. I guess he was just supposed to stay there until he died. Yeah, presumably it has happened a number of times in the past. <laughs> so when the walls bones. were, like, stronger, I guess. <laughs> so, um, they decide to fight or something. But... They, they have a cane versus femur fight. Uh, Chevy yeah. Chase comes at him with a femur, and uh, JP has a cane. Uh, Ackroyd the... kicks his ass. Oh, Ackroyd kicks his ass. And very disgustingly, Chevy Chase gets his foot stuck in a bedpan. Ooh. <laughs> and it's like, get your foot out of my bedpan. Uh, and it's it's got like brown liquid in it. It's really gross. Uh, just like, because like they make it look really disgusting. And just it's stuck I on saw... feet. Uh, uh, it looked more like reddish brown to me. Yeah, uh, I know. And then like it gets on JP's head. <laughs> uh, uh, and... But like he he gets out. He he runs out into the hall, and Aldona is just waiting there and captures him. Yeah, yeah. So so he is in chains and gets to watch the uh, watch the show. More before that though, we we learn the house policy. Uh, because she captured him, she gets to keep him. So they're going to be married after the trial. Oh yeah. <laughs> they get. They're going to get married. Yes. Uh, and this, I would say, is the worst moment right after this because they have the big girls don't cry needle drop, which is the hackiest oh. and the worst. Absolutely. Yeah. The absolute low point of the movie. Yeah. Uh, the worst part uh, Big Girls Don't Cry plays while uh, John Candy tries on lingerie behind uh, one of those uh, changing screens yeah Uh, awful (laughs) really bad I mean John Candy goes for it and I respect it but uh, it's it's not a good scene and I hate the Uh music choice especially uh, and we also catch up with Diane, who's playing poker or something with Bobo and Little Devil. <laughs> right. Um, what she? What even? Yeah, I she's know, like we just kind of catch up with them playing poker. Yeah. yeah, she's she's making friends with them. Yeah, she seems to be getting along pretty well. Uh, and then Digital Underground, they perform uh, their song, same song, which is pretty rad. Mm-hmm. Good, good song. Uh, it is a good song. And JP is so into it, he gets up and does an organ solo as a Ray Charles impression. And, like, the two backup dancers. Oh, that's... Charles backup dancer thing. (laughs) That's what that... Okay. So he was impersonating Ray Charles there. Yeah, I think so. I, I... That's that's the impression I got is kind of doing a Ray Charles thing. Uh, it's and that part's weird, but it's it's a fun scene. It's so it is, weird. Actually, it's it's really weird. It's really weird because you have the most disgusting old man ever just getting jiggy with it. Yeah, I mean, he's just like he gets musicians you know, like, oh, yeah, no, musicians are cool with me. Uh, and so he finds them not guilty. He's like, okay, you guys can go free, but could you maybe just stick around and play my granddaughter's wedding? <laughs> and then we have just 
a, a moment that can never be matched in cinema where we see Tupac oh. watching Chevy Chase and John Candy get married and kiss. <laughs> oh, oh, the, 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 the dress, the entrance. Oh, my God. The <laughs> best best costume of the movie. Like it's it's like a classic 1920s bridal dress, like a really <laughs> flapper bridal dress, but like John Candy got, size. Yeah, it's got like the fancy headdress kind of thing. Like it's, I mean it's it's incredible. It's amazing. It's, it, it's just astonishing. <laughs> I took a picture of it. I had to. Yeah, and and like Candy sells it. Oh, he he owns it. Owns it. Uh, just like so good, uh, and, and like JP is like, okay, you get the choice of death or Aldona, and like, hey, I mean, you know, she's a she's the best rated car mechanic in New Jersey. You're you'll never have car trouble again. <laughs> that's that's right. That's a pretty good line. <laughs> that's a good line. <laughs> uh, and I feel that like specifically. During the ceremony, JP has one of his more penisy noses. You're right. He I think it's distinctly penisy. <laughs> uh, so after the ceremony, Digital Underground leave, and Chevy tries to escape with them, and that offends Aldona, of course. So he's immediately put in Mr. Bone Stripper. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, how does he get out of it? Just the whole way he's while he's on his way th- down the roller coaster, he's apologizing and pledging his love for her, and like oh right, and then it just breaks down. I I think like at the last moment it's shut off, so he just shoots through it whole and is spit out <laughs> into the target, and, like lands on the bone pile, which was yeah, you know, that was a pretty good visual. I like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because I remember he says, uh, oh, Mr. Bone Stripper threw a belt, did she? Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe it did break down. I thought maybe like it was shut down because she still kind of wanted him. It's um, hard to say. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it could just be like his, it was just his cartoon luck. Yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah, everything is broken down here. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, they're setting up Miss Greater Teen. Which is uh, yeah. a, a um, hydraulic guillotine made of, like, a bunch of road grader blades that drop on a target. And they're, like, chopping four or six watermelons with it to demonstrate first. <laughs> it's so extra. It's the most! Oh my god! <laughs> uh... And, like, Demi is going to be chained under it, and they're like... <laughs> Chevy Chase, you you gotta come and surrender, and you will be greater teamed instead of her. Uh, be the man, come and do it. And she's like, no, run! But she does want him to save her. And yeah, she's like, I was actually kidding about running. Please come save me. <laughs> Which is pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Chase does do the heroic thing he blows up some gasoline barrels and gets them distracted and unties her saves her last second as the greater teen comes down and then is this where we get the smash cut to the map almost like yeah they just they get on a freight train somehow like they they just get on a freight train and get out oh yeah no they they do train sex 
Yeah, that's right. They they have a sexy scene, sexy quote unquote scene on the train. Uh, and then we have the smash cut to them talking to police and showing their map and everything. And it's just, yeah, they've got like this super detailed map on a whiteboard of like everything that we've seen of the movie. Like, like if this were a fantasy novel that George R.R. R. Martin or J.R.R. R. Tolkien yeah. wrote, this would be like at the front page of it. Yeah, it's, it's and a I'm like, little map. I love, I, I'm a sucker for that shit. Yeah, totally. It serves no actual practical purpose in the books, but I love when it's there. Yeah. And, like, I, and I loved it here. Like, I looked at it and studied it, and I was like. I'm like, oh, I get where everything is a bit more. Yeah. I I, I love that. I love that the map is there. But they're, they're explaining it to the cops, and they just sound insane, of course. Right. But because they do manage to get. have to. Right. Although, as it turns you, out, of course. Oh, did you recognize one of the cops? I didn't notice. Well, he, uh, you might not have because he wasn't musing about how the wrong kid died. Oh, was it the dad? Oh, really? I think it was, I'm almost certain that it was the dad from Dewey Cox. Like, I, much, much younger. It totally could be. I can't remember offhand who plays him. Uh, but like, yeah, I mean, that, that guy's in I've a lot of stuff. I've seen him in a few places, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, totally could be. Huh, that's interesting. I'll have to watch for that. But yeah, they're, they're, they look skeptical, although they have no reason to look skeptical because uh, first big twist, they, they head back, you know, they, they go with full police, <laughs> you know, the whole bunch yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, first, the judge does the predictable, um, senile old man act why are you coming after me <laughs> but which you're expecting him to do but what you're not expecting uh, is all the state troopers and the fbi and the police and dewey cox's dad maybe are all like in unison hi judge yeah and he's like I can't go too far in this country without running into my friends, which is the most chilling line in the movie. Yeah, actually, like, is this that, this is social commentary? That's terrifying. All of the police in the entire country are in on his mass murder. He's, he's executing busloads of a religious group. We never find out why either. But yeah, and, he's a judge. Okay. So getting back to the badges, are those the cops who wouldn't stand for the mass murder? Could be. (laughs) In light of... (laughs) It could be that, or it could just be all of his other grandchildren who became cops and aged out. Or 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 aged out. Or they became little devils. (laughs) uh, or, Or some combination of... Yeah, so they're trophies. I'm I am of the opinion that they are trophies. So now this so now this goes from just one kooky old judge in one shitty old town to being a human disease that infests the heart of the justice system. Yeah, it's and they can't get it out and they won't get it out. It's part of it. They're into it. This is, this is this is what they do. They they channel people to be killed here. 
And I don't know and, if it, it just reminds me. I, I don't want to get too topical, but I saw. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not going to mention anything specific, but around this time, at the time of recording, there is a terrible, terrible judge who is uh, in the news right now. Um, you, you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there often are. <laughs> there, there are yeah. some bad judges. <laughs> uh, like who is basically like he's basically this guy just without the penis nuts, without the penis nose um like somebody who turns i've seen it how somebody described it on twitter and i wish i could remember who they said judges who turn the courtroom into their own personal fiefdom yeah and, and, that's, and that's what this that's is jp absolutely that's 100 percent what this is and because he just doesn't die that's just this is just another part of the system. Yeah, you, you know they're uh, they're appointed for life. <laughs> that, yeah, that can happen. Yeah. I, I think well, some judges have Supreme to run Court for is. election. Yeah, to, well, some of them yeah. have to run for election, but you know they're they're kind of entrenched in most places. Yeah, uh, and he gets away with it because uh, he doesn't write down in his calendars that he murdered all these people. <laughs> that, that's not even the judge I was thinking of. I just remembered another another shitty judge. <laughs> there there are some very bad ones. There are some terrible ones. Uh, so uh, climactically here, the coal fire suddenly reaches critical at just the perfect moment. Yep, yep. Um, it's been kind of leading up to this, uh, just in the background, Chekhov's coal fire. Yeah. Uh, it swallows the house. Yeah, and it swallows the lady cop who's on the outhouse toilet, of course. <laughs> you got to have someone killed on a toilet. Yeah, you gotta, especially if you're gonna have someone falling into hell and who's the character who just sucks the most, other than Chevy Chase, although he's supposed to be the hero. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, they... so Chevy Chase and Demi find the BMW chassis and, you know, being rich is a superpower, so it had a special lockout switch and they're able to drive off on the BMW chassis. Yep, so then we cut to however long later, he's in his parking spot polishing uh, the front of the half of a car. <laughs> uh, and we also catch up with Fausto and Ronaldo and Dennis. Oh, yeah, they are in. Um, They're in Brazil. Brazil, yeah. Oh, yeah, because you see the whole. Yeah, the, the, big statue, the big Jesus statue. Yeah. Yeah. So the Redeemer. So he, uh, John Candy, has married uh, the sister. Ronaldo. And is, I guess, also hired on as their bodyguard, it sounds like. Yeah, he's like their personal security. Yeah. I mean, he's twins with uh, Eldona. We know she has incredible core strength. And we know he's very good at being a cop and catching people. Yeah, I mean, he has aided and abetted mass murder for, you know, since he was eight years old, we hear. <laughs> yep, yep. That's something. Um, uh, but yeah, and no, yeah they're, they're just living retired. the life in Brazil. Yeah, they seem and... very happy. <laughs> uh, Chevy Chase and Demi Moore, they, do they hook up at the end? I think so, sort of. And... I, I but, don't know if she's in the room at the time. Oh, yeah, no, she's watching. not, because he's watching TV. Right. 
and, okay, I love this. I, I, I love this because I thought there was good. Okay, so he's, he's watching TV and, like, the news is covering the coal fire. And uh, but we see the judge has somehow survived and Eldona survived. And he basically says, oh, something about how Eldona's going to come after because they got married legally. They got married. married. Yeah. <laughs> something about how he's going to come after or are going to go. Shows... They're going to go move in with him. Yeah. In Manhattan, because he has Chevy's ID still. So he yeah, has his address. Yeah, he flashes this to the camera, and Chevy Chase says, "Oh no, you won't!" And then he just, <laughs> okay, they do the fucking Chevy Chase shaped hole through the wall, and that's it. Cut to credits. <laughs> yeah, it's a Looney Tunes ending completely. That's all, folks. Yeah, I, I I would say no. When I saw that, I understood what the movie was. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I was like, okay, now I know what you were trying to do. You just you took a weird road to get there. I I want to say notably, JP on the news when he does the reveal because like first he's covered in a shroud and we just see him right. like picking through, and when he turns and is talking on the news. It's the penisiest nose from the dinner table scene earlier. They they bring it back for this last <laughs> one, which more, is great. There's more than one. I love yeah. it. I hate it. So much. <laughs> uh, and that is the end. <laughs> what a film. Oh, wow. Uh, it thankfully did not have John Candy rapping as I misremembered from my childhood. I'm, I'm very glad that that is not That's a thing that exists. Good. Uh, John Candy, um, I would say more than anyone else, comes through this uh, shining. Like he's great. He's really oh. good in this. Oh, he kills it. Easy MVP. And everybody's given it. You know, like Chevy Chase, arguably not so much. I don't know how much of that's the lines he was given. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a hell of a thing, you know. What the fuck did I watch? So, uh, any any final thoughts on nothing but trouble? Like, what can what can be said to sum it up? Uh, did you like? I mean, have you decided yet whether you liked it or hated it? Like, do you know how you feel about it yet after an hour, about ninety minutes of discussion? Oh my god, I it, like. It's upsetting. It visually. There is this so gross in this. Like it makes my skin crawl in a way that I'm. I'm not. I don't like it. And like but, consider we just watched "Don't Deliver Us from Evil." What last week or the week before? And that uh, was the week before. Grimy. That was grimy. Yeah. This. This is. This is a different kind of skin this crawl. This is different. Yeah. Like. There's stuff in this movie. Um, it's so unique. It's such an individual experience. It just keeps happening. There's so much that you can't uh, you can't focus on any one thing. It's just it's it's a ninety it is a ninety minute Looney Tunes cartoon that doesn't that 
has all the energy of like the six minute concentrated shorts, but like all the way throughout. And it's just so much. The, the same constant escalation that you'd get from Looney Tunes, but like somehow in a really weird horror comedy where the horror and the comedy are completely intertwined in a really, really strange way that I don't feel like anybody else has done. No, um, it's just, it's, it's sincerely so visually. Yeah. <laughs> it's an anxiety attack of a movie. There, there's just so much constantly going on. It's like it, it's trying to uh, overload your circuits always. It, and it did. Yeah. It's like, I, just so much. If this movie really was like twice the length, I, I, I'm not joking when I said I wouldn't be able to do it. Well, you you definitely need a full intermission, uh, and it couldn't escalate all the way like it does here. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it could possibly. It maybe could, it uh, maybe it's a gentler escalation in the longer cut. I don't know. I don't know. What else could you cram in there? Like, I what mean, else could it even be? This, this is the movie has everything. It it has a lot. I I feel like there's so much to explore. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what a thing! Just what what an incredible thing this is. I don't. So it's like I've decided. Do you ask me if I liked it or I didn't like it? Do I like or dislike Chernobyl? Like the actual <laughs> um, the actual incident, not not the uh, wonderful. And upset, very upsetting um, HBO series or whatever series. Fantastic. But like the actual incident, it's. <sighs> I mean, it's a thing that it's happened a thing in the eighties. Happened. Well, this is this was nineties, but yeah. Do, well, yeah, it's like, do I, do you dislike it, Chernobyl? It, like, does it, it matter? It experienced at a point in the past, and it, it has poisoned our atmosphere permanently in cer- in a certain way. But I mean, it, it exists. And, and I say that both about nothing but trouble and uh, Chernobyl. Yeah, like that, yeah. that's like. Yeah, I, I <laughs> it, it's so interesting I to finally come to it, like because I, I had not it, seen it since I was kid. Something I would watch, not for enjoyment but for study. <laughs> I will. I probably, feel like I've like learned it's, it's, too much about Dan Aykroyd, and I'm afraid of him now. <laughs> Well, he is a very unusual individual. Like he, he has a lot of wild and interesting ideas. He looks at life through a completely different lens than most people. I just like the thing I couldn't understand is why he wanted to play this judge character. Like why, why him for this character? For some reason, I was like, what did he? What was he trying to communicate? Well, so. To my earlier point that I I gave my kind of wild take at the beginning, it's the character who gets to inflict everything on Chevy. It's the antagonist. (laughs) The antagonist, he's the one who gets to torture Chevy the whole movie. He's in charge. So this movie happened basically to be like, fuck you, Chevy Chase. Well, and, and you know, know and and fuck I'm you, okay like that. small town judges who oh, like yeah, run and... things like their personal fiefdom, all of those things. Yeah, Which, it's I'm good with that. It feels I'm, I'm like good with that message. Yeah, it kind of feels like this is a whole lot of gripes 
you know, like when you see political cartoonists who just have these really petty, specific gripes that they have, this kind of feels like Dan Aykroyd, he has this one chance and he's getting out all of the gripes. Oh <laughs> this my is, God. He's Eric's just... grievances, you know? <laughs> a political cartoonist would draw a penis on a on the nose of somebody who had that kind of shaped nose. Yes. That that's what this all oh, this is a political cartoon. There is a lot of political cartoon energy to this film, certainly. Because the judge Holy is shit. a living caricature. He looks like the way someone draws a politician in a political cartoon. Like he's got that diseased look. And, and like it's so busy, like those there's those so really much bad going on. cartoons are. They you gotta have a million things in every corner. Yeah, it's it's very much political cartoon energy. This is, oh my god, this is. There's, there are layers, just like the layers of garbage. <laughs> I didn't enjoy my experience, but I think it was an essential experience. No, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed having my brain blown, but I I don't want to do it again. No, I didn't like it. You know, maybe I did like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Okay, the question Do, would I is, show anybody else this? That's the question. Do you recommend it? <sighs> to certain people or certain <laughs> types of people, but like if you're not the type of person who you already know, I think. Yeah, I mean like you you got to be able to withstand a certain level of mania. Uh and like I'm I'm built for this now. <laughs> I I watch a lot of crazy SOV stuff. I'm ready. Uh and yeah, I mean it still is brain bursting. Like you you watch it and it's just like I can't believe the things I'm watching right now. <laughs> There's so much of this that is troubling me in ways that like some of the hardy grindhouse stuff I watch doesn't. <laughs> Because this was made yeah. by a big studio for millions of dollars. This was like the top movie. Like this was going to be their big movie that weekend. I don't think it did that great. Probably not. It it was a big flop uh, and critically also reviled. Like hated. Hated so much. Yeah. Uh, That's... It's, it's a special one. It's there, there's something. nothing else. There's nothing else like it. If you want to experience something, something that's just, it's like being on drugs. It's its kind of like being on drugs. Uh, and watching it uh, with some weed is advisable. <laughs> I did. <laughs> to tamp down I, the anxiety levels a bit. <laughs> I did. Um, I'm glad I made that decision. Uh, uh, and... Before we head on into our second and third features, uh, which we'll do as a group, which are also very individual filmic statements that uh, cannot be replicated, uh, we'll we'll just mention that uh, this is replaced in the stacks with Patty Hearst. Oh, uh, Paul Schrader's biopic on Patty Hearst, uh, you know the the famous uh, heiress who was kidnapped by the Symbionese Liberation Army. Oh, okay. I haven't seen it. It's supposed to be pretty good. You know, it's Paul Schrader who uh, wrote Taxi Driver and Bringing Out the Dead. And I feel like he wrote another major oh, Scorsese. I, Bringing Out the Dead was, that was a crazy film. I love that movie. That movie really needs to come to Blu-ray. It's one of my favorite Nicolas Cage performances. Also, Ving Rhames and Tom Sizemore. Incredible cast. Anyway... Uh, are we ready to head on into part two? 
oh yeah, let's 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 go with something I can understand a little bit more. All right. And for our second films, the films we are the covering, podcast is on. We we are follow, we are covering Wakaliwood Super Action Volume One from the good folks at Agfa. Uh, oh my God, what movie? What movie? Oh my Lord! Uh, these these are two films made in Wakaliwood, uh, Wakaliga, Uganda, by uh, IGG Nabwana. Uh, who killed Captain Alex? Who? Who killed Captain Alex? We we've both seen the films and we don't know who killed Captain. Oh, I have a theory. Well, I have a theory who killed Captain Alex personally. We find out. I mean, someone kills Captain Alex in the other movie. Who kills Captain Alex? <laughs> he Just he not does this have time. a cameo. <laughs> I I do have so a theory. Good. But uh, yeah, I, I, and I think we'll we'll talk a bit about the plot of Who Killed Captain Alex. But it's it, it, bad black. It's too much, and we'll we'll just talk about a few elements. Uh, either way, I, I think before we even get into it, these are movies that you need to see. <laughs> like, I, there, there's a few movies that like I, that I recommend to everybody. Like, um, you have to like people have to experience this. You've got to see that this was made. Um, like, like so to contrast with our previous film, Nothing But Trouble, where that film is dirtying it's it's a dirtying experience for your mind it it stains itself upon you and it will never leave like there's yeah. a lot that i remembered about that movie from having seen it one time on vhs in childhood like so much of it but this is a movie that's just purifying to the soul there's there's something so wonderful about it bad black literally pulled me out of a depression spiral I'm not even it's, joking. Yeah, it's so lovely. And like both of them have such an incredible positive energy, even though they're absurdly violent at they're times. So, quite ridiculous. So violent and like the storylines get like that's super dark. Origin story is dark. Dark. Yeah. There there's a lot of very nasty stuff, but it's never it never feels it's, that way. Part of it, a big part of it is VJ Emmy. Video Joker, VJ Emmy. Uh, VJ Emmy is so, so, okay. How do we even describe what he, what he brings to this? Well, the, I, I, we, we could say how he describes it himself because he explains in the movie what his purpose is. He's like, this right. is how we watch movies in Uganda. Uh, he, he sort of riffs the movie like, you know, riff tracks or mystery science theater, but he's also sometimes providing translation. Sometimes he's providing different lines for people <laughs> that he he's, thinks are funnier. He's narrating. Um, he is he's hyping providing, the movie. He's providing backstory. Oh yeah. Like when a character will be walking to somewhere, he'll be like, he'll tell you why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. And tell and, you their name. It's he's the only reason why you find out some of these people's names. Oh, completely. And he'll like he's a narrator, but he's also a hype man. So like, you know, when the movie gets action packed, he'd be like, Super action! The movie is on. Movie, movie. Commando. Commando. Tiger Mafia. Big, 
<laughs> Tiger Mafia. So Tiger Mafia are our villains in Who Killed Captain Alex? Sort well, of. <laughs> they're, they're the antagonists. Sure. They are not the people who killed Captain Alex, we don't think. No, they're kind of pissed off about it because they were going to kill Captain Alex and then someone else did it. And like, what the hell? That, that's what we were doing, guys. <laughs> yeah, he did it. I'm going to beat you all up. Who killed this guy that I was going to kill? This isn't right. Uh, the boss of the Tiger Mafia is so fun. Richard, the Tiger Mafia. Richard, he does not Tiger listen Mafia. to bad news. <laughs> that fake TV he breaks. Oh. The effects in this movie are very special. So, like, both of these movies... Were special effects. Better. I love it. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> the, the, the budgets of these movies are less than $200. <laughs> they're very, very homemade, and they're very community-made. Like, mm-hmm. all of the guns are made out of wood, most of them. <laughs> like, they're very obviously constructed guns. There's like, one guy who has a bandolier of bullets that are just, like, clearly whittled. <laughs> from yeah, like, in the... In the uh... In the credits, you see like some behind the scenes stuff. You see him making his own yeah. uh, wooden bullets. Yeah, and um, like I, I, we're we're not going to go through this in any much of a chronological order. We will a bit for Captain Alex, but not so much for Bad Black. But I do want to mention that the credits are so incredibly delightful and give you such a positive rush at the end as well, because like it's a rap song about the like paying tribute to how good his grandmother was to him. Oh yeah. And it shows the whole community coming together to make the films like, Oh, like I'm welling up. It's great. (laughs) It's so good. And like, the thing is, this is one of those homemade things. He never planned for this to be seen outside of his own community. Yeah. It's just kind of village. Well, I don't know how much it blew up. It, I mean, it blew up enough that we saw it. Yeah, I mean, like, it kind of became a hit on YouTube at some point. Because, I mean, that's where I initially saw clips from it, uh, like, running across just, you know, scenes with the helicopter, especially. The helicopter is so wonderful. There's a part where someone steals a police helicopter, and this is done through green screen. And we we do get some background on it. Like, we see them doing the green screen in the credits as well and it's delightful yeah. and it's like ter- ter- like terrible green screen but it doesn't matter because it's perfect. so good it's like perfect. the opening credits are like these guys just oh, like, yeah. rappelling in and just shooting a building but the green screen is like a still image you can see people on the sidewalk frozen <laughs> and not reacting to these commandos. And it's, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's so delightful. And, and when they have the helicopter, like there, it's like, Oh, there, there's a big glass building in front of me and like, Oh, bomb it. And, the the way he quote unquote bombs it is like the great the, special effects. Like this is where all the special effects money went. They they get the image file of the the helicopter and they like collide it with the image file of the the the, the building and like it smashes down. Like it's it's like, like it looks like the helicopter's squishing the building. Yeah, and they they make like a, a smoke and explosion noise, and 
it's wonderful. They do it like three or four times, and they every single time I'm dying of laughter. It's so they good. They just put different signs on the building for whatever they need to destroy at that time. There's a few different things, yeah, and like, oh, and then there's there there's another <laughs> helicopter, and it's the one marked I I think Uganda Ghetto Air Force, but or Kampala like, Ghetto Air Force. Yeah, but like in meme text. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's so wonderful. It's work of art. It's so good. Um, the, but like, the fighting is actually really good. Yeah, like every well, as uh, as DJ Emmy shouts at one point, everybody in Uganda knows kung fu. <laughs> when just like everybody is busting out the kung fu moves randomly in a fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, so we we basically have this setup in. Who killed Captain Alex? Where they're, and I'm not sure exactly why, but they're this military unit that are in this small town who aren't. They're going after the Tiger Mafia. Yeah, I guess they're going after the Tiger Mafia. I don't know why the military is and why they're encamped in the town. I guess I like, I don't know how much of this is Ugandan culture and how much of this is a weird translation of Schwarzenegger movies. Oh, good point. Because there's, they do, they do pay tribute to a lot of eighties uh, action movies. Yeah. Like this is a deep tribute to a lot of that stuff, but like done on no budget and just mm-hmm. like totally like for backyard funsies for the whole community. And it's, it's wonderful. Like there, there's just, it's got, immense charm at at all times like it's so genuine Mm -hmm. so so our hero uh captain alex is is he our hero well he's in like two scenes he's he's built up as (laughs) he is i mean he's the title character for sure he's the title character he is the best soldier is the best Um, of the best movies yeah he uh he fights drugs. Oh, wait, no, that's uses, the other guy. Oh, is it that's, the other guy? That's his replacement later. Uh, he fights drugs and uses drugs. <laughs> <laughs> they show him stoned talking about, like, doing a raid. Awesome. <laughs> Captain Alex, uh, yeah, he's the leader of the unit, and I guess people look up to him, sort of. We we see, like, a fight in a restaurant where, like, they're not getting along with the locals, Oh, yeah, and he comes and, like, breaks up the fight, I guess. Yeah, and my theory on who killed Captain Alex, it's the local guy who started the fight. That's my theory. That's my fan theory on who could killed be. Captain Alex. <laughs> it, could, it could be. It's, I, I mean, mean <laughs> we, we never know. <laughs> we never know. We, we don't um, know. Like, that's... That's the punchline well, of the movie. That's... <laughs> that's the title. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, so they're they're out to get Tiger Mafia because Tiger Mafia are the bad gang. They're bad. It's kind of, it's, it's sort of a G.I. Joe movie or like a Kung Fu yeah. movie. There's a Bruce Lee in it. Bruce Yu. Bruce Yu. Uh, and uh, he's Captain Alex's brother who's come to avenge him. So I guess arguably he's our hero. Oh, well, yeah, I guess so. The The interesting thing is all these players get introduced after Captain Alex is killed, and none of them could have killed him. 
Yeah. Whereas usually you get a, everyone's introduced before and then the murder happens and then you got to figure it out. But well, and, that's not know, how also, it goes here. <laughs> also, we'd either get to know Captain Alex more or, you know, his death would just be the opening and that's that's how we would get into the plot yeah no his, his death happens almost halfway through but we don't spend a lot of time with him no it's very strange i mean it like it's it's totally following its own design like mm -hmm. the, again this is a completely unique cinematic vision yep and like it, it does have a very G.I. Joe feel to it at times too. The the Tiger Mafia being just this I don't know, they're they're just the bad guys and they do bad stuff. We I don't know what the Tiger Mafia actually does. I have no I idea. I really don't. I mean, I assume there is some sort of drug cartel. Oh, and they do do a drug deal at the beginning. They do what that and, one deal. And the leader does just walk into the police station and steal a bunch of their guns. And they're just like, hey, give those back. Oh, yeah, like he seems to have an agreement with the local police that they're going to just overlook him, which I guess is why Captain Alex and the military are there to take care of them instead. He's like, I'm out of guns. I'm just going to take these. <laughs> it was like, hey, no, those aren't mine. Don't. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm, gonna like, I'm just going to go. See ya. <laughs> And like later, that's because they also go to the same police station and that's how they get the helicopter. They just steal that from them, too. Oh, yeah. They just he just like he just gives one of his guys an order to steal the helicopter. We don't even see him steal the helicopter. He's just in it the next time we see him. Yeah. Like we, we see him sneaking over to the image of the helicopter, which is very, very funny. Uh, but like. I, I again, I don't know if some of this is a scathing indictment of uh, Ugandan politics, if or also slash or, just you know talking about American eighties culture and films, <laughs> or if it's just a really funny joke that he can just go in and take these guns yeah, and, the, and the and the all of the above police maybe. there are just Chief Wiggums. Yeah. Uh, uh, because, like, hey, I, don't take my guns. <laughs> Because at the end, also, we, we get, like, real stock footage of, like, street riots. I was like, whoa, yeah. what? What are we getting here? After, like, they blow up the, the workers' building or whatever. I, that's what the big glass building is. It's a very famous building, apparently. <laughs> it's getting blown up so many times. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so ultimately, uh, well, first there's a raid on the Tiger Mafia by Captain Alex's men, and it's a great, great action sequence. There's just so much to love in it. Like, the, the, the action is good. This movie is cheap as heck, but the action's good. Yeah, like, um, everyone the effects is are giving terrible, their all. but the action's good. And, and the and effects like, are terrible works. in the most wonderful way. It's like, it's like when you see a stage play. You're not expecting guns to actually fire anything. It's like, oh, they flash. Okay, good enough. I know that this is meant to be guns. Good enough. And yeah. That's kind of what this feels like, like a stage play in that yeah. regard, in that you just believe... You just take it for granted, like, these wooden things are guns. Okay. It's it's cosplay with digital effects. Yeah. yeah. And, and it totally works. It completely works. It it just, it's so satisfying every time. Uh, yeah. So they, they have the big raid and they capture Tiger Mafia Richard's brother, 
which is a really big deal. And he is just he is obsessed with his brother and he spends the rest of the movie crying about this. Yeah, he's like raging and raging. But like while he's doing it, VJM, he's just like, oh, my brother. <laughs> like he's like going full like um, cartoon villain. He's well, he's roasting the shit out of him, too. And and that's something that I really love about D- VJ Emmy is that, like, you know, he'll he'll hype up the movie. He'll hype up characters, but he'll also just roast the shit out of them, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and like jumping forward a bit when when he says about uh, Alan Sully in uh, Bad Black is like, oh, he's mad. If you could, if you could only act in Ugandan movies, you'd be mad too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, or or well, also with that movie, like the villain of that one is doing his thing, and at the end, he's just like, "What an asshole!" <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know, like just on on the subject of Emmy, sidebar on Emmy, because again, we we've got no structure for this. Uh, no, just uh he'll he'll call out little details as well like there's a part where one of the tiger mafia ladies is climbing over uh, a a rock and her panties are visible and he's like oh tiger mafia has nice panties too (laughs) remember she's here to kidnap captain alex Yeah. Oh man, it's so good. It's so good. Um, DJ Emmy adds an incredible amount to this movie. Like, absolutely. There, this would not work half as well without his incredible contributions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Like, I wouldn't even know what's going on. That's true. <laughs> like, he gives just, you a lot of background. It, well, even just him saying "commando" is like, oh yeah, or okay, so this is a commando. Yeah. Like that's enough. It's like remember just to remind you who's doing what. <laughs> my my probably favorite just like sort of bizarre one-off one is when we see Bruce Yu <laughs> whatever uh sleeping with some ropes tied between branches of a tree. <laughs> and he says you got Hotel, Hotel Kampala. Hotel Kampala. <laughs> <laughs> outstanding outstanding so uh, good. yeah and so like you know uh alex is assassinated but no one knows by whom although richard tiger mafia had sent people to do it because he wants to get his brother out of jail uh, and that's his big obsession he's like getting news crews he's taking hostages and killing them on live tv trying to get oh, his oh bro- yeah yeah like like he sends one of the one of his wives he does not care about any of his wives. Uh, sends her to kidnap Captain Alex, uh, dressed as one of his uh, people. Well, yeah, I think she was like a spy within his people already, because she yeah. says like, "Oh yeah, Captain Alex is my bitch." Right, right. So she goes to kidnap him, and that's when we get the line, like he—he's she's seducing him, and that's when we get the line. Remember, she's here to kidnap Captain Alex. <laughs> Right, because he's not even trying to kill him. He wants to kidnap him so he can trade him for his brother. Yeah, and also That's probably right. torture him. Well, yeah. You know, he's he's got to do the evil villain thing. Yeah. Uh, and the the other, the like, speaking of the wives, one of the main characters in the 
is this one wife who is saved by the other guy instead of the brother, I guess. And this is a big problem. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, right. It's like, you saved her and not him? Uh, from, and, from the drug deal going wrong. Right. And so he shoots the wife, and we're, we're to assume she's dead until, like, way later in the movie. She's just in a bush next to a campfire, and it's like, what what's that? And, you know, Bruce Yu uh, gives her his roast fish, and, like, she slowly gets her memories back, I guess. <laughs> and she's got it. A- Tattoo, but she's got a, ta- a, a tattoo. A tattoo, yeah. Which is a, just a gigantic TM in like Comic Sans on her stomach. Yeah, just huge purple letters. It's like that's. I mean, wow, that's <laughs> quite a tattoo choice. Um. <laughs> so he, you know, he she gets him back into uh their their hideout in like the big commando attack at the climax. Uh, and then unceremoniously, she is shot again by Tiger Mafia. <laughs> uh, after like multiple scenes of her nursing back to health and having like, I don't know, some sort of vague potential romance with that, with Bruce, you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she just killed. Very, very, just like very silly moment. It's like you again. <laughs> <laughs> and of course everyone kung fu fights and there's the helicopters and there's so many explosions and <laughs> the, like in the big epic showdown the ceiling just opens up as the <laughs> helicopter bombs them and but they they finally kill all the tiger mafia yep. at the end and like we go to the credits and then it's like but dot 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 who Who? killed captain alex and it's like like your mind's just been blown (laughs) like yeah and the hip-hop song plays about how good his grandma was to him like yeah i love this so much it's so good uh it's so good perfect Uh, piece of media (laughs) i love it with all my heart and soul uh, and then Bad Black, like, again, also totally amazing. We'll, we'll talk a little bit less on it, I think, because just see it. It's because so It's so complicated. Just, it's so complicated and we can't even possibly. And you should just experience the ride. <laughs> but, like, you know, see who killed Captain Alex first to ease yourself into the world. But Bad Black is also essential. Bad Black is very... Uh, I. I definitely would regret if I had only seen one and not the other. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they're both the same. They like bad black also has VJ Emmy, of course, but necessarily. And it's also like a violent action movie, but they're really quite different movies. Like yeah. different feel different. They would, they went in a different direction. Bad black does feel more like a quote unquote real movie. Like it has more of a distinct plot with locations. Yeah, um, and and characters who matter. Yeah, and whole giant arcs and like very Character complex backstories uh, that are all intertwined in ways we don't know about until much later. Well, a lot of interesting stuff. 
Uh, and, you know, so we we're it's the story of Bad Black, who is an orphan in the ghettos of Kampala, uh, who we we get what we don't know is a piece of origin story at the beginning. <laughs> where oh, yeah, it starts off with this, raid. this uh, Ugandan Schwarzenegger, Schwaz, Schwaz, is robbing a bank, but Question. he's a good man. I don't know the bank. Isn't it a hospital? No, he has to get the money to the hospital. Okay. So right. I, I don't know that it's a bank either because <laughs> it's a cardboard box with a window. It is a cardboard box with the window, 100%. Uh, and it has just like next to the window, there's like a written sign with prices on it, which is why I'm not sure that it's a bank. Maybe it's like a currency are... exchange. Maybe that could be it. Or like a racetrack. I don't even know. It's a box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and, and then they go on this whole car chase. Um, Amazing is car chase. Ultimately killed and then never referenced again until the end. Oh, amazing car chase. Like the, <laughs> the effects when it uh crashes when it rolls when it yeah. rolls <laughs> the exact same effect like 3 or 15 times <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> it rolls and uh, like they they had a street race they knew someone who did some street racing so you got to use that and yeah. then also you got some digital elements that you can just like spin in the computer uh, yeah, so, so and then we we catch up with some orphans or we see some orphans. And then oh, we yeah. catch up with them like 20 years later, and that's sort of our main characters. But they're sort of the bad guys. Well, sort of. Sort of. There, it, I'd argue that there aren't any good guys in this. That is true. There's, there's the one really bad guy. Um, uh, Hiriji, although he. Uh, the rich guy. Of course. Rich yeah. is in his name. Oh my god. <laughs> Hirichi. Oh yeah! my god, he's rich. And he has like all these different cars that with vanity license plates that are just his name. Yeah. But so does Bad Black. <laughs> well, yeah, cuz she's the coolest. She's Bad Black. She's Bad Black. Um yeah, she she has a terrible traumatizing childhood but then it's 10 years later and it's like remember it's 10 years later they're all grown up now <laughs> this is them from before yeah thank you she's, Emmy. <laughs> she's the leader of a gang um what is the name uh, of her gang i can't remember the name of the oh, gang god, oh god i don't know oh anyway um there's there's this whole subplot with um an american doctor Doctors Without Borders guy, I guess, and he's being <laughs> trained by a small boy. Borders. This doctor small boy. needs borders. <laughs> a small boy who is Wesley Snipes. Yeah, he is. He's Wesley Snipes. Wesley I don't. Snipes. That's just what he is. Uh, he, at one point, he chases uh, the doctor with a rifle that's made out of celery. <laughs> it looks like. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and he trains him to fight. Uh, the the boy trains the doctor to fight. Yeah, so the doctor becomes a commando so that he can get his passport back from Bad Black. But that's that's a side plot. That's got nothing to do with the main plot. 
Yeah, that's just a whole thing because they needed an action star. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. America's best action star, Adam Ali- Alan Ali. Sully. Yeah. Oh, he, he does have a great moment where he's like talking to one of the children. It's like, all right, what's your name? And she's the, the kid says something. He's like, that's too hard to say. So your name is uh, Betty. I think your su- your name is Susan now. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, bad black. What what is her plot in this? I her cannot remember. Plot is it's basically to get revenge on Hiriji. Um, okay. She's, right. She wants to marry him, uh, milk him for all he's worth to, among other things, prevent him from evicting the whole slums, because I right. guess he owns that land. Uh, but he, she also wants to uh, just make his life hell, uh, which we don't find out until why until the very, very end. Right, we know right. he's an asshole, but we don't know why she cares. Yeah. Like, why she wants, other than because he's going to evict the slums. Indeed. Uh, and and yeah, like I, I guess we don't want to get too much more into the plot of this because you should experience it. You totally it's, should. <laughs> you advised me to take notes, but I couldn't have because. Yeah, like just as, as much as you could, because I, I knew it would be complex. Just, there, like yeah, there was well, no way I could talk about it when, when I was like I watched it. I more can because I, I was like, what? I, what? Yeah. I very much understand the plot, but like taking notes was impossible because every time a character gets introduced, you never know if they're going to be important or not. Exactly. I thought Godzilla would be a lot more important than she was. But she was just too fun for him not to say to to like have have like a lot to say about her every time she was on screen. (laughs) The the woman's prison. <laughs> yeah. uh, Wakaliwood super prison for dicey women. <laughs> That's one of the best titles I've ever seen on a screen. That that is amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Five stars. <laughs> Tons of references to people falling in the ditch. That is poo poo for real. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not the poo poo. Oh no! Ooh. Ooh, poo, poo. Uh, 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 it, it's it's, but it is really good. It's but, so good. Um, yeah, cameo appearance by Captain Alex. Of and course. Just like oh, Captain Alex, Captain Alex is alive. Oh, and then so Captain much Alex up. is so dead. <laughs> oh, Captain Alex! Oh no! It's so good. Just. Yeah, it, like it is so so good, an absolute must-see. I don't know if these are both available to watch on like YouTube or something, but the very highest recommendation, essentially. Oh, uh, I like yeah, like I said, I'll recommend this to anyone. Yeah, like if you need a pick me up, this stuff will make you happy. It's so it's, good. It's, it's so, so sweet. Pure, like it could have got like. With the subject matter, it could have actually gotten very dark and cynical, but it somehow doesn't. Like, there's a, there's a scene of a child killing her um, abusive gang leader, and it's still kind of funny. Yeah, there, there's Even just something about it. it's also acted in, with all the weight that that kind of thing should be acted with. 
Yeah, it's it's totally sincere, which which is like such a thing. And and then like there's also the layer of VJ Emmy, which kind of always keeps it light, no matter how dark it is. Yeah, it's it's perfect. It's so good. It's so good. Um, I I don't have a bad word to say about these movies. Yeah. Uh, all right. I I think that's probably all we want to say on that because we you you should just see these see these and experience them for yourself. Uh, just yeah. the, the pure joy of Wakaliwood. And I hope uh, Agfa is gonna put more of these out. This this has been out for like four years. Uh, ridiculously, I had lost my copy and then I found it under the seat of my car a couple weeks ago when I dropped my keys. Which is... uh, I'm so glad you did. <laughs> I'm so glad I did too. I'm, I'm so glad that this exists. Um, I, I can't wait to see, like, I, I hope I get a chance to see the next one eaten alive in Uganda. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what that's going to be. I mean, I What's assume that it's going to be about. I feel it's got to be their take on the cannibal boom genre. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Because, like, there is a movie called Eaten Alive. Or what if it's from just that? like. Although there's also a Toby Hooper movie called Eaten Alive, where there's what if it's just an alligator. Like alligator. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one. Eaten Alive is is uh, the Toby Hooper movie. He's got an alligator living under I'd a trap love house. I'd to see these guys do an alligator movie. <laughs> that well, would be fun. I'll watch anything these guys do. Absolutely, I'll... and I'll also watch any killer alligator movie. Those are always <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen any. I've seen a few, uh, both Alligator and Crocodile. There's the two killer Crocodile movies, which are fantastic. Uh, very bad, but I love them. Uh, and there's Alligator, uh, which is a oh, 1980 movie. I think it's got Robert Forster. Fantastic. Lake okay. Placid. I don't know. <laughs> Alligators and Crocodiles. I, I like big uh, natural uh, natural predator uh, monster a great time yeah baragon he's a big monster oh all right uh i think what if it's ready a kaiju to... they, they could do a kaiju oh i'd love to see a wakaliwood kaiju movie but you know what the, they whatever just they make do what they want uh, to make yeah what, whatever <laughs> they do i'm here for it and i, I yeah. i'm really looking forward to seeing more oh yeah all right so uh ready to head on into part three let's do it all right, so now for part three, we talk about some movies that have been watched in the past week and decide what we're going to talk about next week. Uh, before we do, uh, I, I want to forgot to mention in our What Hollywood uh, section, um, they we when we were watching Captain Alex, we found out they had done a Kickstarter uh, to do another one with a goal of $150. They raised... <laughs> 14,000 I think it was which they're they're just putting it back into their community they're just yeah they they paid a bunch of medical bills for people which is so fucking cool that is so good I'm so yeah like support these people 100% great stuff yeah I'm convinced they actually only used the 150 that they asked for for their next movie Oh, yeah. And like there's there's a feature on the disc where we see them doing a panel at like a convention where they're like just doing a satellite in and we see a a helicopter that they're building out of steel uh, for their next movie, which, oh, my God, I'm so excited. (laughs) They built a helicopter set this time. Wow. Yeah, 
but it, like right now it's just the frame and i wonder if that's all i wonder what they're gonna put over it oh. i hope it looks shitty it might be like a green screen and they're gonna just like map something over it i want to see how that looks i just i don't care what it is I just it'll be great it. it's I gonna be good it. whatever it is i'm gonna be happy <laughs> okay I just, I just wanted to i wanted to mention that because i think that's Absolutely. really it is yeah. great uh okay so first up we have golden needles uh this is a movie from the director of enter the dragon it also has jim kelly you know uh, co-star of enter the dragon uh who do you think would replace bruce lee in that follow-up since okay. bruce lee, you know he had died so he was unavailable all right so this is after bruce lee's death um oh i guess looking at the thing is kind of cheating so 70s still right yep this is 1974 the following year i don't know who what else was <laughs> you'd big. never guess because it is joe don baker i was gonna say jackie chan but you know what you're right <laughs> I, joe don baker wouldn't have been my second choice or my third or my 12th I I love a Joe Don Baker movie, uh, and this one is maybe my favorite. It's it's pretty incoherent. Okay. <laughs> it's this story about these magical acupuncture needles, golden acupuncture needles, mm-hmm. and they have magical properties that they can uh, heal sickness if applied properly. Uh, they can create uh, incredible sexual potency. Of course. Get you really hard. uh, Or if they're not applied just right, they will kill you. Of course. Or if they are applied just right. Or exactly. So the the main thing is like the needles themselves are a little bit less important than this gold statue that shows how to perfectly apply them. Uh, Uh, And so it's people fighting over this statue and you have. Uh, Jim Kelly, and you have uh, Joe Don Baker, who trained under the same sensei. <laughs> Joe Don Baker trained <laughs> in the movie. That's that's. Oh the, oh oh. Okay. They uh, they, they remark that uh, Joe Don Baker has uh, gotten a little soft since then. Uh, so, and, so hold on, he trained under the same sensei as Bruce Lee supposedly did in the I movie. Mean, well, th- this isn't an actual sequel to Enter the Dragon, oh, okay. but it, it's, yeah, Jim Kelly, who sparred alongside Bruce Lee in the previous film. And, you know, he's an actual kung fu guy. Mm-hmm. Like, Have you ever seen Black Belt Jones, Jim Kelly movie? I don't think so. Oh, it's so good. I did see Enter the Dragon way, way back. In the- Chuck Norris is in that. That's right. Yeah. Or no, no. Chuck Norris is in Return of... Not Return of the Dragon. Uh, what's that one called? He's in the one where there's the fight in the Coliseum. That's the only one I've seen. The one with Chuck Norris. Oh, okay. That one's pretty good. I like that one. I like all of them. All the Bruce Lee movies are great. There were not enough of them. Sadly. True. Yeah. Another another one of those tragedies. Yeah. I, I rewatched all of them last year, and they're just rock solid. And Enter the Dragon is definitely the best of them. Uh, And yeah, so golden needles it's just i i don't know it's just so crazy just you know joe don baker in a kung fu movie about magic acupuncture needles that make you sexually potent beyond all belief 
Have you ever tried acupuncture? No, I never have. I Me I neither. hate needles. I'm I'm I, very uncomfortable with needles. Oh, well, that's fair. <laughs> it's it's on my list of things to one day get to eventually. So if I ever do, I'll let you know. Not yeah, I mean, that I we, expect you to ever do it. We have a mutual friend who does it, so yeah. Oh, well then. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, next up is the Snake Girl and the Silver Haired Witch. Uh, this is a movie from the director of Gamera. Uh, oh, yay. A really strange, twisted children's fairy tale movie about this really adorable orphan girl who learns. And, and it's it's got this real interesting post-war Japan atmosphere, sort of living in that sort of realm of childhood post-war Japan. Mm-hmm. And so she's orphaned and then miraculously it turns out her parents are still alive and the mother who died was uh, not her real mother. And she actually has this this uh, powerful scientist uh, as a father. Uh, so she's going to go live with them. Okay. And then she goes to the place and it's sort of this creepy nightmare where like her dad is this really great guy. He's a you know, he's a venomous snake researcher. And the night she goes there, he has to leave to go study a venomous snake somewhere that's like very rare. So he's gone. And the mother has a head injury and can't fully be trusted. And it turns out there's a, a snake, a part snake sister who lives in the attic like Hugo on The Simpsons. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, you were telling me about this. <laughs> and it's it's exactly like that. You know, he lives off of scraps that they deliver to him in the attic and well, she uh, in this case, it's it's uh and she's like really evil. <laughs> she's just like super evil and uh she sort of takes over the house in the father's absence. Uh yeah, I mean it's it's creepy. But like totally fascinating, uh, really visually striking. It's I feel like it's a big influence on Hausu. Oh, that's that's one we got to do one of these times. Oh, certainly. I love that movie. Uh, a Halloween, maybe. 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 Yeah. Uh, or a 420. I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, you're thinking. Now you're thinking. We'll uh, so see. Next, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, next up, the Chinese boxer, which I, I talked a bit about last week. Oh yeah, yeah, we we yeah. Yeah, the first kung fu movie. Uh, That's right. And and like the concept is really basic. There's this, there's a martial arts school, and this guy comes in and he just starts a ruckus. He starts fighting people, and he's a lot more well trained than. Uh, most of the people in the school, they're just a bunch of trainees. The master's out and like the top students are out. Right. So he just starts beating the shit out of them. It's a really hilarious opening freeze when it cuts to the titles of just a guy sailing through the air sideways. Nice. nice. Quite funny. Uh, and then like, you know, the main guys get back there and they get in a big fight and uh, he says he's going to come back with a bunch of Japanese thugs and he's going to topple this martial arts school because he just has a beef with them. People have beefs with martial arts schools all the time. I, I, I get it. I don't it's get just it. a thing. But it happens. Yeah, I don't know. 
It's, it seems to be a thing. Uh, and ultimately, he comes back and he does. He topples the school. He kills almost everybody. Oh. He comes back with these. He comes. He gets a bunch of Japanese guys who they know karate. And karate is more powerful than kung fu because it's like a mutant evolved form of kung fu as they explain it. Uh, it's very um, involved in all the martial arts stuff. It talks okay. a lot about rival martial arts stuff. Uh, that's That's how it's described in the movie. All right. Uh, and yeah, they they uh, one one guy is left uh, in the hospital and he decides to come and get revenge. And so that's a Jimmy Wang Yu. And he, uh, you know, he he wears gloves and he wears a surgical mask and he, you know, goes and gets revenge. He He kicks the hell out of a bunch of people. It's incredibly bloody, like hilariously bloody. Oh, cool. Uh, it's maybe not got the the kindest view of japan there's some real japan versus china vibes <laughs> hmm, okay uh but yeah I, it was it was a hell of a lot of fun and it was so fascinating to see the birth of the kung fu picture pretty whole nice nice right on uh next up is john carpenter's escape from la <laughs> now this one i haven't seen i saw escape from new york uh as one of our movie nights way back however many years ago so you've sort of seen escape from la because it's just sort of a reskin of escape from new york it's the same plot and all of the same plot points and the same characters but like updated to excessive 90s mountain dew commercial absurdity <laughs> and i want to describe one scene to you because it's the one that has always stuck in my mind from the very first time i saw this right. on vh the kid there's a scene where Snake is with Peter Fonda, you know, famous counterculture classic dude, Peter Fonda. And they are on surfboards in like Laurel Canyon or something. And a tsunami is coming and they surf the tsunami. And they're they're surfing along the side of a canyon road, like, I don't know, perfectly parallel to it. And Steve Buscemi is driving along in a Cadillac next to it. <laughs> and, and he sort of idly looks over and the, the special effects are the worst special effects you've ever seen in your life. Uh, like, well, okay, I, so... I want to stress this. These are absolutely mind meltingly bad special effects. They're so badly composited that it looks like it's stylized bad, but it's not like this was a big budget movie. This is the biggest budget John Carpenter ever had. Holy shit. Okay. Uh, He's driving along and he sort of like happens to look to the side and he does like a Don Knotts double take. He's woof, 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 woof. <laughs> and sees Kurt Russell surfing alongside his car on a tsunami and he surfs off of it onto the back of the car and takes him hostage. And then that scene stuck with me forever because at the time, it was so incredibly dumb that I could not believe it. And that's before we get to, like, hang glider attack on Disneyland. Like, the, what? And it, it all looks so bad. Uh, Kurt Russell looks like a bad, like, late 90s extreme G.I. Joe figure. <laughs> like, it's, it's so bad, it almost feels like it's intentionally bad. And it's, it's incredibly nihilistic and cynical. Like, 
it's the most nihilistic John Carpenter ever was. What? And that's saying something, isn't it? And it is. It really is. Like, it's got the darkest ending of any what? Carpenter. It's so bleak. Okay. Oh, my God. All right. All right. It's a hell of a thing. Uh, and, like, I wouldn't say it's good. I kind of honestly liked it less this time, but I am more fascinated by it. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Next up is Smile, which is a very different sort of movie. Uh, this is like a rambling 70s new Hollywood picture. Uh, very Robert Altman-esque, a lot of different characters. It's the Young American Miss pageant. So oh. it's it's a bunch of girls who are like, you know, they're, I think, 16, and they're going to go compete in a beauty pageant. Uh, in Santa Rosa, California, it's this tiny small town, and Bruce Dern is the guy who puts on the pageant, and he's completely sincere about it, and nobody else takes it seriously, and it's just killing him. <laughs> and like, it, it's just you know all of these small town people and all of the people sort of tangentially involved with it, the talent, and just I I don't know like it's it's rambling, and there's so much going on, and I totally loved it. There there's just I don't know. It's it's Nashville-esque. Uh, something I mentioned maybe back in the first episode is kind of a fundamental movie for me. Okay. Uh, yeah, wonderful. Probably my favorite of the ones I watched. Oh, well, all right. Right on. Uh, that, next, that's called Smile? Smile, yeah. Uh, next up, James Bond, Die Another Day. Hoo boy. The worst James Bond movie, I would probably say. That's saying uh, something, because there's some real stinkers. There are some real stinkers, of which this is one. I, I would say that it could arguably be the second worst. I don't know if The World Is Not Enough is worse, because it's been a long time since I've watched the two of them. I liked it at the time, but I watched it when it was new, and I was young, and my tastes were terrible. <laughs> so I, I don't know maybe maybe it's good maybe it's bad so like it's about a mega capitalist with a space laser he's a super villain uh he's elon musk essentially you know except he's also richard branson like we we know he's a british citizen rather than being south african because he parachutes in to get knighted at the start <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of extreme sports stuff like this movie opens with James Bond surfing into North Korea. What? That's, that's that's how he breaches North Korea to create an international incident by assassinating a military official. Uh, that's how the movie opens the pre-credit sequence. He surfs into North Korea to assassinate someone. OK, OK. I mean, <laughs> The, I mean, the, that's a spy thing, I guess. It's just, it feels weird for 90s Pierce Brosnan Bond. Yeah. It feels really off. Uh, and then, like, he, there, there's just, like, a, a whole bunch of explosions. Uh, obviously, he creates a ton of mayhem and tons of people die. And then he is captured by the North Koreans and put in prison and tortured for, I don't know, eight months or something. Uh, yeah, um, I don't. I imagine we don't really get to find out because North Korea doesn't really advertise anything, but I imagine their prisons don't fuck around. 
Oh, I don't imagine so. What What's crazy is that's how the sexy James Bond title sequence starts is we see him start to get tortured and then the opening credits are like a sexy torture sequence where there are like oh, scorpions no. and there's like a fire lady. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, it's completely bonkers. It's got Madonna in it. Madonna sings the theme song as Bond is tortured. We are tortured by Madonna's theme song for this movie. I'm just imagining Kim Jong-il. May he rest in. <laughs> may, yeah. may he rest. Fuck him. Fuck him. But I'm just imagining him being like, Bring in the fire, lady. <laughs> and like, I, I want to stress, I, I like Madonna a lot, but this is a terrible theme song. It's really bad. The Die Another Day theme, one of the worst Bond themes. And like, I love Madonna. 80s and 90s Madonna, spectacular. She was, this was around the same time she was in the Austin Powers movie. Yeah, probably it? pretty close, because this is like 2002-ish, I think. Okay, um, so probably, this would have been after that because I did I played Fat Bastard in our school talent show where we did <laughs> Austin Powers, um, but Man. we couldn't call me Fat Bastard, so I was just fat person. <laughs> it was terrible. I wore a fat suit and like a towel that was plaid. Oh, um, no. It wasn't good. Not good, not good. Um, I mean, well, also our school talent show was doing an Austin Powers right. skit. Yeah, like, I mean, thing. it was it. it I mean, was, a sign of the times. What 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 a specific moment in time. Uh-huh. Uh, also, vitamin C's graduation. Oh yeah. I'm just just saying. I I don't know it, but I know it. Uh, so yeah, it's the, die another day. The big the big problem with it is it should be a GI Joe movie, but it's a James Bond movie. Like there's a supervillain with a space laser. You've got a whole sequence where James Bond is in an invisible car and there's a guy with like a souped up gun car who's chasing him on a glacier and they're having like a car gunfight with an invisible car and a gun car while the space laser is melting a hotel made of ice in which Halle Berry is drowning. <laughs> and it's just it's so much i can't i can't hate it the way i used to hate this movie because it it just feels like it should be a gi joe movie that's that's the thing i i kind of feel like this time i feel like i understand the missing point it it should have been a gi joe movie instead of a bond movie but it is awful (laughs) it's so (laughs) fucking awful uh okay next up uh, 100 Monsters, the first of the Yokai Monsters series. Uh, so Yokai, these are like tiny monsters. It's it's like I I don't really know if this is a specific Japanese folk tradition. Um, yokai, yeah, they're they're like I I don't know specifically, but I think it's kind of a catch-all term for yeah, because there's just hundreds of them, and yeah. that's why this is Hundred Monsters. And yeah, it's this story about it's basically if you, do you know the movie Batteries Not Included? You know, that 80s movie where it rings a bell. It's like all these people who live in a tenement building and there are some alien robots who help them out to not get evicted. It's kind of basically the same story, except it's yokai instead of little alien robots. OK, uh, yeah. And it's it's a little shaggy. This first one, my understanding is the other two have a lot more yokai stuff. This one, the first, 
hour, there's relatively little yokai action, and it needs more because I love the yokai with all my heart. They're all so wonderful, and they're so beautifully designed and lovely. There's a lady with, like, a really stretchy neck uh, who, like, will wrap her neck around people and strangle them. Uh, it's great. Uh, and then I the last... I know that I could... I could probably recall the name of that one if I tried to. Most likely. I, I love I love this shit. Yeah, no, and it's it's wonderful. And there's not enough of it in the first hour. The last 20 minutes is nothing but yokai, though. So it sort of makes up for it. And there's just tons of them. It's just I wish we got more stories because they're told it's the curse of the hundred stories. And that's what they're being cursed by. So it's like I wanted to see more stories. I wanted to hear more of the yokai stories. We only get one of them. Okay. Uh, but there are two sequels to this, and what I understand is those ones focus a lot more on the yokai themselves. And uh, there is also an aughts remake by Takeshi Miike, which is The Great Yokai War, uh, which is also in the same box set. So we'll, we'll eventually get through uh, all of that stuff. Cool. Right on. And last one I watched is The Crimes of the Black Cat. Uh, that if a cat does it, it's not a crime. Right. Uh, so like spoiler alert, cause you, you would want to know this. The cat does die. Okay. Uh, and, uh, I, I feel like th- that's exactly the thing. The cat is explicitly exonerated in the movie as it's not the cat's fault, but the cat does die. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a weird one. It's a very wild yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as I mentioned this last week, it's uh, this is a movie where there's a killer with who who uses a cat, a black cat with poison dipped claws in a basket right. to attack people. Right. <laughs> and of course, it's you know they're they're fashion models because you know most yellows you have fashion models. It's just a really easy place to uh, set things so the setting would be nice looking and you'd have beautiful people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's pretty nasty in terms of the violence, but it's also really zany and pretty fun. Like it's goofy as hell. Uh, the there's a lot of like shock zooms, like multiple shots of the same thing. They just go bomb, 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 bomb. Like see it six times. Isn't it <laughs> horrifying and shocking? Uh, yeah. I mean, not a whole lot more to say about it, I guess. But you know, it, it was a pretty good, fun, stupid time. Right. Uh, and that's it. Those are the available picks for our second feature. Well, um, Prithee, what say you? I'm I'm gonna <laughs> go with the uh, the yokai thing. All right, because I, I fought monsters. many yokai in video games. That's how I know about them. I've not actually studied. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. Cool. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, it, it's a it's a really fun time. Uh, I, this one, from what I understand, is not as uh, yokai focused as the sequels will be, but it'll be really fun to dig into the subsequent ones as well. Cool. Cool. All right. So the additions. Uh, first up, Invaders from Mars, which is the remake from the 80s by Toby Hooper, uh, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like it's it's a famous 50s sci-fi about a child who sees aliens land in his backyard and then no one will believe him. You know, classic yeah. 50s paranoia film. And this is like the 80s update of it with like, you know, really cutting edge gore effects and stuff like just post poltergeist. 
Cool. Uh, next up, Warning from Space, which was the first color Japanese sci-fi movie. Oh, nice. And it, from what I understand, it's kind of like the Japanese version of um, uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still. You have like these starfish aliens who show up with a dire warning for Earth's future. Uh, next up, Yongri, Monster from the Deep. This is the first Korean kaiju movie. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, you may have seen a very famous gif from this movie where Yongri gets knocked out and a little boy shines a flashlight in his face and he gets back up and he's woken up. And then the two of them dance to surf rock. That doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's all I've seen of this movie. And that was enough for me that like I, I needed to see the rest because that's wonderful. Uh, but yeah, that's that's Yongri. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, next up, John Carpenter's Vampires, of course. I, know, I know this one. I've seen this one many times. Oh, you've seen it many times. Wow. I've seen it yeah. twice, maybe just once. I don't love it. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, James Woods. James Woods kind of sucks. Uh, and he's not even great in it, you know? No, he's not. And it's him and Daniel Baldwin, uh, a Nothing But Trouble alum. He was he was one of the mobsters in Nothing But Trouble. Uh, so the two of them are asshole vampire hunters, of course. Uh, weird movie. Weird. Unpleasant. Like, very nasty. Yeah. 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 I, I remember, like, I liked it at the time, and then I tried to watch it again, like, a few years later, and I was like, wow, right. this is bad. Yeah, and like, see, I never saw it when it was new. I only caught it like two years ago or something. So I never had any affection for it. And and I came to it and was like, this is just a weird thing. I don't know what to feel about it. Yeah, that's... Uh, well, <laughs> you will. <laughs> I certainly will. I will be watching it sometime in the next few days for sure. I, uh, I won't. <laughs> That's completely fair. Uh, obviously, also added is Spook Warfare, which is the second Yokai Monsters movie. Uh, and uh, last add is The Amazing Mr. X, uh, which apparently is a movie with really lovely cinematography. It's uh, quite well known for it. Uh, it's this. It's about a fake spiritualist who's trying to bilk money out of a widow. And I guess she turns the tables on him or something. I don't know quite how it works. I hear it's supposed to be really uh, lovely and atmospheric. Okay. Cool. Uh, but I, I have not seen that one. Uh, so those are all the additions. I think I forgot to actually add the additional yokai one to the list. But obviously uh, you're going to watch the other one first anyways. Yeah. So so I'm not going to pick that one this time regardless. Indeed. Um. All right. Well, there's... So what do what do I want to watch with that? Uh, I feel like your mind's gone through a cleansing experience with nothing but trouble and you're you're ready for anything now. Kinda, yeah. Uh, Tokyo Fist was that's the next um oh, what's that guy? Ted the Tetsuo Sukumoto. guy. Yeah, Sukamoto. Yep. Yeah, okay. That is cool. the next Shinya Sukamoto, yeah. Uh it's it's right. a sports movie, like it's a boxing movie, but also body horror. Ha, have you seen it? I have not. Oh, okay. Okay. That's one that's what I'm thinking about. Okay. Um 
Uh, you know what? I think I think I want to see this Yongari. Yongari, Monster from the Deep. I'm into it. Yeah. 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 Um, just because maybe I will know this gif and maybe it's just the describing. I'm just not thinking it. But it's if totally- I've seen it before, I'll recognize it. Very, very possibly. Uh, yeah, that that should be pretty fun. I think we'll have a pretty good time with that one. All right. We're spending a lot of time with monsters next week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have some monsters. Uh, maybe like a hundred and one of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, well, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. And thank you, yes, for listening <laughs> i appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> and uh uh i don't know uh keep watching the stacks i believe is the thing i've been known to say <laughs> the podcast is over Wait. the podcast is off <laughs> <laughs>